Hello and welcome. This is the Hall of Games, the ever-growing catalog of legendary game titles that have proven to be timeless classics. Each title is chosen from the Bard's backlog and broken down through comprehensive evaluation. We, Josh and I, your host, we are the keepers of the Hall of Games, the skeptic critics of each candidate and the executioners of those not deemed worthy. Today, surprise, surprise, I am your host, Jared Benson, Josh's co-host, and I like to think that his I am his second best better half. There we go. <laughs> Today's candidate for the podcast is Horizon Forbidden West, what many have called the undershadow or the overshadowed, I should say, of the Elden Ring, released at the mm. same time earlier this year. We will be evaluating that today will it be entered into the hall fantastic question we'll figure it out as always and we really need to do a better job of emphasizing this but today big big emphasis spoilers beware mm-hmm. um i actually was listening to the zero dawn podcast uh, in preparation for this one and you no that's not what it was it was you were playing forbidden west and you were mm-hmm. letting me know and you didn't spoil a crucial thing for me and i'm so glad you didn't but folks listen Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Beware. Please go play the game first before you come listen to the podcast. And when you do come listen to the podcast, write in. Tell us what you th- what your thoughts were. Email us at askvgb at gmail.com to comment, ask a question, or generally mock and deride us. You can support our podcast by following us on any podcast service and by dropping a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Turn on our notifications to get the latest episode as soon as it drops. Last time, we talked about Link's Awakening. Um, cute, quaint little game, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with our decision. I think uh, I think it wasn't meant to be, uh, and that is perfectly okay. But go give that episode a listen and uh, let us know what you think. Josh, before yes. we get into the nitty-gritty, my friend, um, have you ever tried Nitro Pepsi? Um, you had this question in here, and it's... It struck me, but I couldn't like put a taste to it. And looking at it now, I think I want to say that I have. Is it still around? Still around? Or is it? Brand I don't even new? know how to. I don't know what it is. I literally. So I was. I was in Walmart. I never go to Walmart. I was in Walmart the other day, and I uh, this matte blue. Uh, drink that i'd never seen before caught my eyeball sure enough i walk over to the container and it's pepsi but with a twist a twist nitro pepsi when you pop the can there's like a prolonged fizzing sound and it's a nitrogen container at the bottom of the can that releases this flavor and it makes the bubbles smaller and therefore like you could do a hard pour into a glass and it won't overflow the glass as long as there's enough room in the glass for the the amount of liquid it's smooth it's like it's got carbonation there, like that z- that zippy carbonation, but it's not like it doesn't burn going down. And I don't even like Pepsi, but I like this. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, I'm looking it's at like, it now. I've definitely not had this, and it is new. So I was thinking of something else, maybe like Pepsi Blue or something. Um, maybe, but yeah, so it is weird. And the re- <laughs> the reviews that I see for it are like um, 
Pepsi couldn't have chosen a worse direction to take their brand. <laughs> so I, I get it. I, I take it that it's not popular, but I like it. And I'm telling you folks, I don't even like Pepsi. So it's really f- weird. But anyway. Nitrogen um, infused cola. That is so that's right. interesting. They huh. call it a draft cola. It's funky. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. Aside from that, what is your favorite soda or energy drink? I don't think I yeah. know the answer to this question for you. Good question. No, it is. I I honestly drink too much of both. I need to be better about it. I have t- cut back on on soft drinks, but anytime, especially if we go out to eat, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get a soda with it, and I could probably nix that. I've been trying to transition over to ice drinks which are like the zero sugar, it's like carbonated flavors, mm-hmm, like orange mm-hmm. mango yep, or yep. cherry, black cherry, something like that. So I'll I'll try to do those because those are a little bit better for you and they get you kind of that same fizzy taste. Uh, still sure. not yeah. the best thing in the world for you, but I'd say, honestly, Pepsi's up there for me as far as soft drinks are concerned. Really? It is. I like it. It's sweet, a little more sweet than Coca-Cola, so that's something yeah. that kind of pushes people away, but... I, I've liked it since I was little. Uh, for a while, I started to like Coke more, and then i I just gone back to Pepsi, Cherry Pepsi. I just prefer it. Um, so that one's probably either number one or two. I'd have to probably contemplate it a little bit more. I'm trying to think if there's like a specific flavor. I know I like Jones Cream Soda, but I don't ever yeah, see yeah, them yeah. anymore. So I don't really know if they're even made anymore. So... Not sure there. The first and last time I saw Jones was at PCC. I don't know if they mm. still sell them. Yeah. Well, I'll see the Jones brand, but it's always like a berry. They have like a berry lemonade or like something else. And I never see yeah. the cream soda anymore. So I don't know. Um, and then energy gotcha. drinks wise, I am a huge Red Bull guy. Um, Same. Are Red you the Bull sugar free or the reg- regular? Just the regular. <laughs> Probably should Just be sugar free. Um, I got it. I love the sugar free Red Bull. It do Is it so you'd recommend it? I've never had it. Yeah. Well, it's better than the original, in my opinion. I don't oh. know what it is about it. Yeah, in my opinion. But I think it's just because I got so used to drinking sugar-free yeah. that I can't go back now. That's it's kind probably of one of an okay thing, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like diabetics who drink Diet diet Coke. They can't yeah. go back to the normal stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, I get you. So, What's the, so moving on here. Soda, though? Hold on, you didn't. You got to tell me what yours is now. Pardon me, pardon me. Uh, the Dr. Pepper is my long-lost love, there but go. there's also a, fi- a fizzy drink called Izzy, I-Z-Z-E, that's like, mm-hmm. it's never, I've never heard anyone say it's their favorite, but I always see it in the store, so apparently it's got enough of a following to last. Um, but I love Izzy. They have strong citrus flavors, grapefruit, green apple, yeah. uh, black black cherry or black raspberry, whatever. That's that's probably my mistress in, in terms of soft drinks. And then obviously energy drinks, sugar-free Red Bull, for sure. There you go. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are my, those are my go-tos, my loves. I feel, like whenever I talk about my favorite soft drinks, I think of uh, Tank from Surf's Up, who's like, you know what he talked about his trophies? And he's like, this is Esmeralda. You know what I'm talking about? You ever I seen don't that scene? No. <laughs> oh, I think no. we had this conversation oh, no. about Surf's Up actually. Where <laughs> oh, okay. I have never All seen right. it. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, he, I'm uh, anyway, I have to send gem. you the link. It'll, <laughs> yeah, it'll be worth a laugh. I think you should look it up. But. Okay. Sir, sir, the conversation for Game of the Year is mm. hot. And that is something we'll have to cover on this podcast, but uh, let, we'll mention it briefly. Let's get to the games we play in.
So, Josh, uh, I have nothing to add here. Uh, Forbidden West has taken all of my time, for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, but I do see, <clears throat> but I do want to mention yesterday, we are recording this on the 11th. Uh, happy Veterans Day, everyone. Um, yesterday was my birthday. Happy and birthday, Lucy Jared. Me, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Lucy got me the Dark Souls trilogy. So it's like the package of uh, remastered uh, Dark Souls 2, the Scholar of the First Sin, I guess, and mm-hmm. Dark Souls 3, the Fire Fades edition, which I think ha- includes all the DLCs. Um, and I don't see, see why the second one wouldn't either. I think the second it one does. also has a couple DLCs. Yeah, yeah. the Scholar of the so, First Sin is basically they, they remix the original second and then they added all the DLCs to it. That's the only one you can buy now. Um, so that's the distinction. Gotcha. There. That makes sense. I was looking for like Dark Souls 2. Where's the base game? Where's the base game? But that explains it why I can't find it. Yeah. And then also uh, a late night birthday gift last night. The boys, my brothers, bought me God of War Ragnarok. So I will be joining your list here shortly. But tell me about the games you play in, Josh. So God of War is definitely my current focus. I am absolutely loving it. It is as bombastic and as breathtaking and as amazing as all the reviews say that it is, and I am very much looking forward to finishing it. Honestly, I'm like already kind of nervous, like, oh, this is going to end at some point. <laughs> like, it's so good. <laughs> it is so good. And it's like, it, it's reminding me of how I felt when I first played God of War 2018, because it's, it's hard to recapture that feeling, but this one sure. is definitely doing it. And it's, it's very much in... The spirit of that, obviously, it's a direct continuation of the story. Uh, the the look of it is very close to it, but it's definitely been improved. Uh, the combat really has a lot more going on to it. Um, I think the the world itself is a lot more realized. There's a, there's a lot more stuff going on. Um, you're actually seeing civilizations. I remember that was something we talked about. Is that it just kind of felt like it was yes. you were just like in the wilderness yes. the whole time. So they just right. there's a lot of things they improved on. I don't want to get too much into it because I think that we can definitely talk through that together at some point. But really great, really great game. Definitely up there for game of the year. It's it's in that category for sure. Um, and then the other game I'm playing is Dark Souls Remastered. Are I'm replaying? I guess you could say. Um, I got. I I finished Elden Ring's Platinum, so that just made me, like, now all of a sudden want to do all of them again. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, I got to do all the Platinums. So I went back to one, because I was like, I'll start there, and I'll just work my way down the line. And the Platinums for the other games are so much harder to get than Elden Ring's. Elden Ring's is actually kind of (laughs) nice compared to the rest. Yeah, it's too... I felt it was too easy. To I be think honest. so too. I think so yeah, too. Yeah. It was a little too easy to achieve, which I think is kind of on purpose. And I think the I think it's like thirty percent of people uh, who finished Elden Ring have also gotten the platinum. It's like something crazy like that, uh, which is like yeah. unprecedented. Like no other game is like that. But part of that is because it's easy. So Souls Remastered has been fun going back to because it's a it's a slow chunky like everything is much more methodical than an elden ring which is a lot more fast and frenetic so 
that's been fun to kind of like go back and remember and recall like, oh yeah, like if I don't hit the roll button at the right time, I'm done. Or, you know, yes. uh, the yeah. the swings between, uh, the enemy swings and the time between them is, is very, fairly forgiving, but I just move so slowly that I still have to be really careful and methodical about everything. So uh, that's been fun yeah. going back and playing it and slowly making my way towards that platinum, but that immediately got cast aside as sort of, as soon as Ragnarok came out, um, which is funny too because I'm now I'm having to adjust to dodging with X again, as opposed to circle. And I have Ragnarok on the hard mode right now, and it's, every now and then it catches me where I'll like panic and I'll go to dodge and I'll hit a From Software circle <laughs> to dodge, <laughs> yeah, and then I die and I'm like ah, like it's just not what I'm used to. So, uh, but otherwise, haven't been playing too much. Been very busy. So those are the games that the, I'm playing. Uh... The goatee conversation has been heating up lately. Ooh, I think yes. a lot of people, you know, a lot of the God of War fans were lurking in the background earlier this year when Elden Ring came out. And and I think in appreciation and respect for what Elden Ring accomplished, which is, you know, more than re- I think anyone expected from software yeah. uh, could could do. And But now that God of War is here... And it's just as big as everyone hoped. I haven't heard any bad news. I haven't heard any. Like, I don't, you know, when Cyberpunk came out, it was like nothing but bad news. This is the opposite. I'm hearing nothing but hype, seeing nothing but gorgeous screenshots on Twitter, uh, who has a new owner as of this podcast recording uh, in between this one and the last one. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's going to be. I think those two. That's the safest bet. It's like betting on the Bills and the Chiefs to go to, or the Bills or the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. So I mean, it's a it's an easy bet to make. But if you had to say right now, who do you think it would edge it out? What would you say? Oh, you know, I think the I think the um, the darling is gonna go to Ragnarok. Honestly, I don't know if that's the right choice, but they're both they're so different. Um, it's hard to say. Elden Ring obviously has that from software allure and has a really well realized open world, but Ragnarok is just cinematic. And we talked about that with God of War too. Like it, it's just cinematic yeah. on another level, and the storytelling is just so good, and the acting is just so good. Like Jared, play the first two hours, and you're immediately gonna see what everybody's talking about. Like, yeah, there are more moments in those first two hours that blew my mind than probably in the first game entirely. Like there was probably like three solid moments in the first game that like blew my mind and there's like five at the start of Ragnarok so it is it is amazing and I think that that experience too especially because we're going into goatee season it's a lot more fresh in people's mind so I think it's going to trump Elden Ring I do personally I think I think recency bias will win the conversation unfortunately um I think the fans even fans of Elden Ring will have moved on to their new love right. God of War right. and it's really it's going to be down to is the base culture bigger um I don't know how uh, game of the year is decided I know it takes two kind of surprised a couple people by winning um and I do know it's not like From Software doesn't have a game of the year Sekiro won in 2017 for so, sure for sure um, or no pardon me Breath of the it's Wild 19. won so I think that's 19 is yeah that's right pardon me pardon me but no you're Uh, right um the game awards obviously is its own thing right so everybody has their own goatees and correct you can have different websites do different things but the game awards is where i think most people point to because it's grown so big and the way that they do it is they have basically if you're a large enough influencer group you get sent a list of categories with nominees and i'm not sure how the nominees are chosen um I, there might even be like write-in ability where you can like write in a nominee and then they send in their votes and then those are who win. 
So it comes down to like either critics or influencers who are voting on it. So because of that, I think Ragnarok's going to be the one. Um, and jury's still out for me, honestly, just because I haven't finished the game yet. I'm partial towards From Software. I'm partial towards Elden Ring. So that's definitely yeah. like I I've got to like I got to be careful about you know not giving Ragnarok a fair shake because of that. But we'll see. We'll see. They're both good. Yeah, <laughs> play <will>. them both. <laughs> The um the, the most um the most unfair thing in the world is that I have so many amazing games to play this year and I feel like I just don't have enough time. Mm. Um which leads me to my default segment for today. simple question today do you ever feel like the world as a whole is unfair and i mean i just mentioned not having enough time or uh you know space mental bandwidth to play uh some of my favorite games and i really wish i had gotten to forbidden west sooner but elden ring captured it you could say you know developers were taking pot shots at each other about oh you know this game and you know people throwing shade at Ubisoft and everything like that. And developers like, we made a great game. This is unfair. Has there ever been even, even maybe in recent history or have you ever looked at the whole world and just been like, this is unfair. Um, yeah, (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think the world's unfair and that's, that's, you know, like what's, what's fair and what's not. I mean, people will talk about, and I think the American system is great because it sets you up for, some semblance of, you know, you reap the benefits of your hard work and you can actually achieve things. But that's not been the case for most of time and also isn't even the case here a lot of the time. Um, There is just a simple reality that things are going to be easier for others than, um, you know, other people are just going to have to deal with more and work through more and try harder and go through rejection more and stuff like that. Like, it's never going to be fair um and so yeah i think the world's unfair and i think you know um all kinds of different aspects of life are unfair and i we could point to things in our own lives i mean even what we're talking about now but yeah i mean to say it succinctly i would say so for sure Hmm. what do you think is one of life's greatest unfairnesses um it's a big question um it is I think it's unfair the access to resources is a big unfair mm. aspect mm. of of the world as a whole I would say. Yeah. Um whether that's raw resources, informational resources, so on and so forth. And it's certainly gotten better in the modern age, but um if you're just if you're ignorant you're ignorant there's nothing you can do about it and that leads to all sorts of difficult things and if you don't have the resources to to build and improve your your economy your culture like that's it's not going to happen and things are going to stay stagnant and things are going to grow worse and 
there's just no way around that. I think, I, you know, I, I feel that when I go, like when I went to Mexico several times, you go and you just like see the way that some people live there and you're like, wow, like what is, what is this life, you know? Um, yeah. And it just comes down to the fact that like, quite frankly, where Mexico is, there's a lot of just like poor land. Um, and I think over time it's also been harmed, so that doesn't help any, but um, it's just, it, it's not a like geographically welcoming place and that alone is holding it back are there ways to improve it yeah but then of course then their their government has not been the best at that either (laughs) you know um so i would say that's probably one of the big ones that immediately pops up in my mind what would you say that's that's a good one. I would say that the children who have to suffer for what their parents did to me is sure. probably absolutely probably a big one. And that I, one I also really think, I was like, thinking of yeah, yeah. It's easy. I mean, I could list three or four major unfairnesses that have you know life altering consequences, and that would be one of them. Is just the sins of the fathers, right? Uh, and we see this acted out in the real world, but also it's mentioned in the Bible numerous times of like, well, I'm going to take your kingdom away, not from you, but from your children. It's like, wow, right. like that seems so harsh. And so, you know, but it is what it is. That's, uh, I think that's one. And then two, but it also is so humbling because there's kind of a, a macho, macho is the wrong word, sorry. There's a grit. There's an, there's, inspiration in people who overcome disabilities, both um, physical, mental, or um, emotional, or whatever, what, or situational disabilities. Those are the, those are the people who we, we seek to have lead us, those who inspire us. Um, I think, you know, of, like, you know, Special Olympic athletes, especially those, you know, uh, uh, previous veterans who already gave so much and then lose a limb or lose something and then they compete and they, they overcome and they do, those are, you know, the simplest and most obvious example, but they are truly inspiring stories. But yeah, Mm. I think that one stands the most out to me. You can kind of work around many other unfairnesses, you know, um, uh, the fact that you're born with a specific IQ or you're born with, you know, a terminal illness or you're born, you know, or you're born with whatever, uh, or not terminal, but a chronic illness or something. But you can overcome a lot in today's modern era of medicine and miracles, really, modern-day miracles. But I think suffering the consequences for some something someone did years before you even came into existence is tragic in many ways. So that yeah. one stands out to me. But, or even just based but, uh, off of their decisions currently, <laughs> you know? like That's right. How that's they right. raise yeah. you. Like, I immediately think of, you know, kids whose parents, like, just immediately affirm that they're a different gender, you know, and, like, how profound Stuff, those yeah. effects are going to be on their right. life, you know? And they don't even know. Right. Like, they're five years old. Like, what do they know, you know? That's um, exactly right. So that's tough. Yeah. The, uh, and, you know, you mentioned resources. Um, the inability to have just even the most basic necessities things that we take for granted all the time really makes you grateful for where you're at dude uh, even the, if the united gone crazy states a bit. man like we have it yeah. so good and the amount of like so just good. natural resources we have is so profound and we do not realize that we just we take it so for granted right we don't have any concept of of really of scale or or gratitude on that on that front for sure Definitely not. you're exactly right well, resources is one thing, and uh, our buddy Silence, if you've ever heard of him, that's such a cheesy segue, <laughs> but I'm going to go with it anyway. Our, <laughs> our buddy Silence would say that knowledge is 
king, and it comes to resources, knowledge is one of them. Our pick of the week, Forbidden West. Josh. Now, Josh. This game, as you can see, I, I've, I can't help but do a direct comparison yeah. between Zero Dawn and Forbidden West, and I think that's appropriate. That's why uh, when I offered to host today, I felt like this would give us the best chance to really work out um, what we thought about this game, uh, it, directly comparing it to to its successor. So I've written out this spreadsheet here, this chart. Uh, I'm going to tweet it out just so our followers can can see what they think as well. Um, uh, once we complete it, I'll tweet it out what, we're, what our thoughts were. Okay. Um, but essentially, we're going to go through these talking points, and we're going to put a green check mark if we think that Zero Dawn did it better, a red circle if we think Forbidden West did it better, and a blue if we think that they're equal enough um, to make that judgment call. Okay. If you really okay. think like... So that's how we're going to go through today. So I've I've copy and pasted all of the responses in the Joe and Josh choice. <laughs> Joe, uh, as in Josh, you're on the left here. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and what you're going to do is just delete the two responses that are not what you want to say. Um, and then we're going to be left by the time we get to the bottom of this. We may be jumping back and forth here, but by the time we get to the bottom of this, we'll be left with uh, who we thought did it better uh, for each category. And we have a variety of categories. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, the details, um, let me hear your overall impressions um, for this game, your thoughts coming in, your thoughts exiting, and just your first impressions as you were playing this. Forbidden West is, yeah, a, a game, uh, and I think you could also say that about Zero Dawn, a, a game that kind of, I think, doesn't get the attention it deserves almost because of when it was released and what it was released around. Zero Dawn was released sure. the same day as Breath of the Wild, and so it got overshadowed. Um, Forbidden West was released the week before Elden Ring, and so it got hardcore overshadowed. Um, but both of them are are wonderful, masterful pieces of gaming, and I think we've talked about that with Zero Dawn, and I think the same thing can be applied here to Forbidden West. I mean, this is a game I couldn't have even imagined in 2010, and here we are with it uh, in all all of its wonder and all of its glory and all of its uh, beauty. So uh, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed by this game. Uh, I think it's it's a, a work of art. Um, it's not necessarily always going to be the one that I that I yearn for or the one that like personally I'm I'm gonna become obsessed with. But I gotta recognize that it's it's a fantastic fantastic uh, developed. Uh, piece of entertainment so um I, I i enjoyed my time with it i i think if i had more time like if i if i was able to give more time towards games i would have spent a little bit more time with some of the extra stuff in it 
Um, they they took it to the next level, of course. You got to do that with your sequel where you expand on it, uh, give you more things to do. And so there was a lot in the world that I didn't get to that in Zero Dawn I was able to kind of manage a little more. Um, and of course, I'm in a different stage of my life as well. So, uh, But overall impressions of this were very strong. I think it's a, it's a solid game. It's the one that Sony packs in with its PS5 now. Like anytime I see a bundle, I see it with Forbidden West. And I think it's because it's just a great showcase of the PlayStation 5, but then also like just great game mechanics and story and, and all the rest. So very, very impressed and, and thoroughly enjoyed Forbidden West. I wholeheartedly agree. And and while I don't think that it's the same caliber of greatness as Elden Ring or or God of War, sure. I would actually not be disappointed to see this win game of the year. It's a strong contender in of, of in my mind this year, it's one of the big three. Yeah. Um at, at least in how I think of things in the world. I think it's to me it personally a clear third. Um no, I really shouldn't even say that. I'm speaking way too <laughs> too soon because I haven't even gotten to Ragnarok yet. But just like from what I've seen and what I anticipate playing and how much I enjoyed the original God of War, I really, you know, I anticipate myself slotting this into the third place here. Um, it's in that conversation. It is. It yeah. is. And as a PlayStation exclusive, as a as a flagship game, it holds up. It is absolutely a must get on your PlayStation. Uh, game list. Uh, I would say the Horizon series as a whole is a must get, um, and both Zero Dawn and Forbidden West because they both play so well. Yes. Um, so yeah, and complete agreement with everything that you said. Now, Josh, these being open world RPGs, they are going to have some standard, familiar feels to them. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing about an open world RPG is the open world, yes, um, which is comprised, you know, the overworld, whatever else. Now. Doing, I would like to frame this conversation as a comparison to Zero Dawn. Obviously, outside um, open world comparisons are totally welcome. But just to give us a, a, a frame and to follow this outline here, I think between the two games, can you expound a little bit on how you felt the uh, open world part of this game uh, improved or or declined between the two? I think Forbidden West much improved. I mean, if I had a, and maybe I'll just make that decision right now. If I had to keep one, I'd keep the uh, Forbidden West because um, that was the one aspect of Zero Dawn that I felt was, I don't want to say undercooked, but definitely it the the open world was there to just give a skeleton for the rest. Whereas in Forbidden West, it seems like they're really trying to. Um, I don't know, give you something special with it. They have a lot more variety in the map. Um, you have the ocean side, you have the jungles, you have like the, a, a nice big desert area in the middle, you have the mountains, uh, you have snowy areas. So you got a lot. There's, there's still some of that in Zero Dawn, but um, it was also smaller maps. So it kind of, it went very quickly between each. Um, but I think Forbidden West's, uh, the bigger size helps it. Um, I don't think it hurts it. I don't think that the the space that is there is is not used effectively. I think it is used effectively, I guess, is the way to say that. Um, and I think the variety that I wanted in Zero Dawn is there. Um, the yeah. um, the 
different side quests and stuff that it takes you on takes you to enough of the world and actually utilizes a lot more of the structures within the world itself as well um, I noticed that with several of the side quests like there's one where you happen upon a group of people who are um, all stuck basically like a I think like a levee not a levee um, well maybe it is a levee or like a dam or something broke and flooded where they were scavenging and now they're on like yeah. all these different pieces of uh, of machinery that are now in a big lake and they, they can't get back to their group and so you're going on piece to piece and getting them all off and stuff and, and finding them and whatnot and i'm trying to think on zero dawn i don't think there was anything quite like that most of it was like you'd kind of run down a path and you'd have a couple of combat you know scenarios and then that'd be about it whereas in yeah. forbidden west i think that they utilized that space a little bit better yeah, I would. So, if I if I may, I I stole a couple of quotes from our Zero Dawn podcast. Just things that I thought were crucial, hopes and dreams that we had for the second game. Um, and your quote from the first game was, if uh, let's see here, Josh, you said the biggest gripe I had with the with the game uh, Zero Dawn was the open world and the environmental design side of things. So it's it's that was a quote that you had said about Zero Dawn, you know, and you had mentioned getting stuck against um, uh, rocks and stuff, which yeah. is, you know, I I think a common complaint with the game and the combat, and I don't know that you can avoid that, but you did mention no play zones, uh, one of them is specifically being too close to the main story side of things, and like, but I think I'm in agreement with you here that this world is designed better, and with it, in the I would push back just a little bit. Tell me what you think of this. If you compare Map Genie is one of my favorite websites. If you go to Map genie.io and look hmm. up the horizon map in the uh, zero dawn map they're actually similar in size um really specifically that yes not quite i think forbidden west is is definitely longer but horizon zero dawn i think is actually taller including the dlc um if if i'm correct in kind of my scale if you zoom out all the way they're actually very similar in size i could be wrong though i may be looking at the scale all wrong I think Forbidden West is clearly larger, but it's larger in a different way. As far as different zones, really, Zero Dawn has the desert area dominates the map for sure. And then the Nora Heartland is largely mountains that are unusable. And there's also a large reservoir to the west that's just water. And because Aloy can't swim underwater, a lot of it is unused space. So I think that there... There, I think people are, well, I, I say people because I've heard more than just one person say that, but the, the, the size difference to me really wasn't that impressive. Obviously, the, the big thing is the swimming adds verticality to it, and so does the, spoiler alert, the flying, which we'll get to. Um, but I, I, really, I find myself, and let me know what you think of this, I find myself missing zero dawn because of the novelty of that first game more sure. of the more of the same in the second game is yeah. what you're going to get better and improved which is i'm going to give my final decision here that forbidden west does have the better overworld although it is close i wouldn't say zero dawn but i might say equal but i will give it to forbidden west here on the on the the, the open world okay. side of things but i think it's because of the verticality that's added in the swimming and the flying but even the swimming there's a lot of unused space in that ocean it's not just wide open you have some check marks here and there but there's places in the ocean where they're like well you can't go there that's a no play zone underwater 
So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I but but that's what I would give. I I do miss the Zero Dawn map. I think it's just because it was new. It sure. was the first time I'd ever experienced something like that and, you know, that is what it is. But So, I would so a question for you then. Um you're talking ahead. about the ability to maneuver on the map. What did you think of the other additions? So obviously you can fly. Um, there's a lot more swimming. You can dive. I, I don't remember if you could dive as far in Zero Dawn or even if you could swim that much at all. Um, it's been a while. Um, but you've got a lot more depth to the oceans themselves. But what did you think of like the climbing? Like they, they implemented something new here where you can scan and it shows you all the climbing points. And so you don't have to worry or be concerned about, oh, is this a climbable surface? You just do a quick scan and it'll tell you. Um, and then what did you think of the, the grapple hook as well? Yeah. So, uh, I, I think that the, cl- well, it's a comparison. I would, so I have a traversal category. Um, Oh, do you? The, I didn't, I don't I know. Do. Oh, That's totally fine. I didn't see it. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're totally good. So I really should have organized this a little better in, in the way the talk, cause the next clear talking point is obviously traversal, but, um, the traversal, I think it's now, there's a couple comments I could say here. I do believe that Forbidden West is a better traversal system. So I'll, I'll say that. However, I do think that the shield wing, just this, the gliding mm-hmm. is almost a necessity at this point. Like it's such, a th- yeah. I think Breath of the Wild really burnt that into my brain at least, that it's it should be expected in in many different ways. It should well, be it's a one hundred percent rip from Breath of the Wild. <laughs> well, they even before that, <laughs> you could you could whip out a parachute in Far Cry Three. True, as many years ago, you know. So this is this is something that open world RPGs almost feel obligated to have. Um, and it's kind of interesting to me that they combined the flying and the the uh, the shield wing here. Um, but the climbing is really where things get notably better in a way. Yes. So the thing with the climbing in Zero Dawn is that every every climbing that you did was a marked path mm-hmm. and it would designate where you were where you had to go or where you could go because there were um obviously clear distinguishable markings. But with Forbidden West, you can it feels a lot more natural to scramble up the rocks. That's definitely for sure. It looks better for sure. But it's also you scan a wall and you're like you get a little frustrated because you can't just climb any sheer wall face. There's still designated climbing paths. So they're still doing what they were doing in the first game. It's just it looks better. I, I'd like to make that note. If that makes sense. Does that comparison make sense? No, it does, yeah. 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 But I, think, I would still yeah, give it I'd to uh, for Forbidden West. And again, so as far as traversal and the mechanics of traversal, did you feel like the flying and the swimming, the, the biggest new additions to this game, were actually uh, smooth or did you have issues with them? I think that they, I think the swimming was good. I liked the swimming. Um, Me as well. Seemed, seemed pretty, pretty, um, I don't know. Smooth is the word, I guess he said. So I would agree with that. Sure. Um, the, the flying was novel, but the entire time, all I was thinking is Batman did this better. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll Arkham City, like the way, like the, the gliding in that was so much fun. And I wanted something like that. Now it's different. Obviously, with Batman, he's in a city where you can like hook onto buildings and stuff and go flying around and floating and diving and stuff. But I just wanted a little bit more, I don't know, of that. And it seemed very, very basic. 
very basic. Um, it was nice because there were times where I wanted to get up a mountain really fast or I just wanted to get from point A to point B and I didn't want to have to deal with any machines. So it was definitely nice, but I do think it was as basic as you can get. Sure. Yeah. And I, there were some issues with it. Like for instance, you can fly. uh, One of the cool things about the open world was that there are more Horuses. Horuses were these giant scarab looking things, squid looking things that were uh, responsible for the decimation of humanity in the first game. And I think Mm -hmm. there's only one maximum two in the first game, the big husk of a shell in this game, there's at least seven or eight, I think. Um, and they're scattered through the overworld. They look, you know, massive and, and beautiful and all that. And it really does some environmental storytelling, which is a, a huge improvement. However, you can fly under the legs of the Horus in, in most cases, but there are things that you, like flying is difficult. One, in the forests, you'll like clip through trees or you'll be stuck or you get stuck in random places and you can't fly under things that you feel like you should be able to. Not that that, not that it matters too much, but I think you're exactly right. That's a great summation is that there's other games that do this better. And I don't know if it's because of the way I'll use a phrase that I don't know if it applies, but the hitbox is weird. Like it's just catching on too many things, the way that the Sunwing is designed, the width of the bird. But it's a great addition and it makes traversal very fun. I'd rather fly than fast travel in most cases. Um, but it it isn't, it isn't perfect. Um, and to be honest, when it comes to like, overall impressions of this game there's a lot of times where the glitchiness just pulled me out of the immersion um i don't know if you had a similar experience but just like Hmm. like my melee melee stabs and uh we could talk about melee combat here in just a second but like my melee it would like twitch or glitch on the on the um whatever you want to call it, like the, the ground or the rock, or it would look funny or it would, it would just kind of, it would suck me out of the game. Um, and not the best way, but you know, it's, it's fine. It is what it is, but, but yeah, I don't know if you had the same experience, uh, not anything that really like rubbed me the wrong way. Like anything that did happen was more just like, Oh, it's a, you know, games will have that happen from time to time. So, right, right. It is gaming. I can't expect perfection. You're exactly right. Now the, uh, I loved the integration of flying and combat. Um, combat in the first game is super exciting from a mount because you can kick and rodeo essentially, and that's a lot of fun. You can do that in this game as well, um, but there's also the added ability to airily kind of dive bomb yourself into into a you know enemy camp or something like that. That would make it a lot of fun. There's a huge plot point in the main storyline where you do something along those lines. And so I love the integration between flying and combat, but there are some even more notable changes in the sense of melee combat. Now, Josh, the first game was super, super simple. Just R1, R2, light hit, heavy hit. That was it. But this game, I mean, they've got a whole, they do, they have, uh, they have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They have melee pits where you practice these, these moves and the resonator blast, which and special moves and combos and different stuff like that. First of all, did you utilize or lean into any of that? And second of all, did you enjoy it? Um, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, no, and I, I think I still stuck with some tried and true tactics, but um, like being able to, like, 
latch onto something and throw yourself out of the arena, arena and then kind of glide over above a, a machine and then jump down and do an attack that way was fun. Um, the the actual shield wing itself seemed a little bit. I don't know. I preferred Breath of the Wilds because and maybe it's just because the it's more realistic in Horizon. Um, in Breath of the Wilds, you could kind of like float and aim it a little better, um, and couldn't quite do that as much in Forbidden West. But I still did, and I did enjoy it. In terms of the um, combat, I actually had this thought. One of the things that this game. Uh, and this has to do with the shield wing in terms of when, when people would attack me or a machine would launch a, especially the ravagers, they have this like electro shock wave that they will, whatever the, there's a knockdown effect that's new to this game. That was in the last game. The first game you could definitely get hit, but, um, and you'd get knocked around a little bit, but there's like elemental effects that'll take place here in this game. And I really feel like, the shield wing might have been an excellent blocking mechanic. I don't know what button it would be assigned to. Yeah. But, like, that's what the enemy leaders use it for. Why can't I use it for that? True. Why can't yeah. I use it? Why, why can't I plant it in the ground to block? Uh, instead of trying to dodge roll out of an attack that's so wide that I'm definitely going to get hit anyway, why can't I block in the moment? I feel like maybe that's the next evolution of the next game. That's something that I... Because it makes sense. That's that's why I bring it up. Um but I, I don't know. That was just a thought that I had. But melee no, I, in I general, that's a good one. the resonator blast um, and melee and trying to human enemies and, and um, special combo moves. Did you ever utilize any of that? Like, what were your thoughts on that? So the resonator blast never triggered enough for me to like really focus on it. Um, I would try, you know, I would try now. I don't know if maybe I needed to upgrade my melee a little more or something to take advantage of it more, but I, I'm pretty sure I'd have to look at it again. It's been, it's been a little over a month since I beat the game. So, um, it's been a little bit, but, um, I'm pretty sure I did a lot of the skill tree for my melee and it didn't seem to get to the level that I wanted it to. Now I still use it a lot when we were fighting any human enemies, so it's for sure still got utilized. Um, and I would try to do the resonator blast after I saw that it triggered, um, but it it didn't seem consistent enough for me to want to do it all the time. So I didn't utilize it as much as I probably would have. And actually, I see you're already deleting things off of the melee combat on your side, and I think. It's tough for me to say which of the melee combats and which game is better because Zero Dawn really had it bare bones um, and Forbidden West is trying to do something with it with stuff like the Resonator Blast. But I don't think that's the answer. Like, I, I just don't know if there was some other way that they could have handled this. I mean, you, you need to be able to, like, parry. You need to be able to, um, like, combo and none of that's there. Like if you really want to make melee feel rewarding, you need that sort of stuff and it's not. So even though they're adding some other things to forbidden West, it, it's still, I think not a big enough of an improvement over zero Dawn for me to give it the nod. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but I do see that you're putting it to zero Dawn and I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> I, I just feel like the simple version of the first game 
emphasized the bow and the the yeah, beauty yeah. of the the complex systems of the bow. Mm-hmm. And this game took away from that. In fact, the comment that I'm going to make now is that it, it's too there's too much going on in terms of combat. I have too many options, and and none of them are. Well, that's not true. I just prefer bow fighting. And so I ended up ignoring the melee pits completely. I had my first taste of it in Chain Scrape, as you're you know, inclined to do typically because it's towards the beginning of the map. And I just was so turned off by it. I was like, this is not why I like this game at all. Um, I gave it a shot. I tried to level up the Resonator Blast and use it a lot. But I just found myself falling back into my original playstyle in Zero Dawn, which is you know occasionally a silent strike, a strike from below or above. But other than that, I tried not to get up close and personal with with melee people, especially in this game because um, the the guys with the shields and like the champions and stuff, those guys are tough. They are not fun to fight up close. Uh, at least yeah. that was my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was I I didn't care for. I just feel like the simple version of Zero Dawn was better yeah. for me uh, in my play style, so that would be that would be my preference. Now, I think that's a great um, way of putting it, honestly, because the the attempt to make it more complex did kind of take away. Um, so I, I think I would I, I feel the same way as you do. Speaking of complexity here, uh, let's jump right into the skills tree. That's something that uh, we've Ooh. mentioned here. The skills tree down just down a couple from where we are is. In the first game, in my opinion, my humble opinion, perfection. She's actually learning new skills, like take down from above, take down from below, mount repair. Um, we'll get to a, a, the mount summon uh, mechanic later. The there's uh, you're you obviously are more invisible in bushes. You can strike from high lines. I miss the high wires from the first game. Just areas of which you could machine hunt from uh, ropes strung across to beams that make sense, keeping humans out of uh, machines' way. And so these platforms, and you need a way to get to one another. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, it felt it felt tribal, and it felt good. And to be up on those ropes taking pot shots at machines who their line of sight doesn't extend upward was nice. And I kind of missed that from the first game. Uh, so for me, at least, uh, and I kind of got off track just a little bit, but the skill tree in the first game was great. It felt like mm-hmm. the, the long-awaited skills at the bottom of the tree were really what I wanted to get to, and they were worth unlocking all the prerequisites. And the prerequisites made sense. In this game, it's just chaos. I opened the skill tree uh, <laughs> in Forbidden West and immediately went, ooh, I did not care for it. It was just too much going on, and some a lot of the... Huh. A lot of the skills, like they don't, it, it didn't make sense. Like I could do, there were machine skills in one tree and then some in another tree. And there was sure. heavy, heavy weapon use in one tree and then uh, assassination in another when you, you would get the sense that all of your melee tree would be one, all of your hunting tree would be one, et cetera, et cetera. And I just felt like every time I went in there, I was just like unlocking things at random, not planning on using any of them. And, and then finally, there's and we'll get to this later but what did you think of the the skill tree i'll get to my point later yeah i i so you're saying you kind of felt the same way we're in an attempt to make it more complex and um i don't know um layered it just it came it 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 took away i think um i'm resonating with that but i i'd have to go back and like really get back into zero dawn again to remember all the specifics of the skill trees there 
Um, because in this one, I liked the categories. The thing that got me were all the like special moves you could pull off. Um, yep. I think like I didn't use them. <laughs> like each skill tree had like seven or something like that, like six or you know five to seven or something like that of those. Like it was like a bigger diamond that you could unlock, and then that would go to your was it L one and R one or whatever that you did to trigger it. Um, yeah, I got my the very first one in the bow mastery skill tree, and I used that pretty much the entire game. I think there was another one yep. of the bow mastery skill tree that I use every so often as well. But I didn't need to use any of the other ones. And I maxed out my bow skill tree right away. Um, I maxed out the stealth skill tree right away. And then after that, yeah, it was just kind of like, oh, where should I put some other things? Um, it did seem kind of all over the place. I would agree. That being said, Zero Dawn, I don't remember what the levels of the like rewards were or like what those major skills were or whatever. Um, so I... I I don't like in comparison, I don't know which is better. So I think I'm going to, in this case, just, I'm going to say it's even for me. Um, sure. Because I don't remember it ever being something that was like so impactful on my experience in either of them, quite frankly, that it, that it mattered much, at least for, for how I played it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. That's fine. I think that's fair. I, there's a trade off. It's fair because there's a trade off between complexity and, and simplicity here in complexity you have a, a, a an ability to hone your play style to a very specific niche point that feels good and we're gonna get to the haptics later uh which is like this game makes use of the dual sense controller in that there's tension on the bow when you draw it stuff like yes. that we'll get to that later mm-hmm. um which i think is very clearly better in this game but again we'll get to that the the um but the the skill trees here I just felt like the way things progressed in the first game was smoother and better and more enjoyable than in this game. It felt okay. just very chaotic, even just and when it comes to the skills, it, like the what's the what's the valor valor buildup? Um, yeah, you could. It was too easy. So while we're so For sure. speaking too easy here, um, I'll get to melee combat in just a second here because I want to say something when it came to the the valor buildup there was a, a skill where you sent off a, a electricity blast there was like a plug-in she would do a special move you know the animation and plug it into her spear and then slam it into the ground and it was electricity blast and it did 1200 damage and killed just about everything within range in one shot and combine that with leveling up your um leveling up your silent kill and smoke bombs i just felt like all of the complexity that they put into the skill tree got washed away by the ability to cheese it way too easily sure um that's a big critique for me because it felt like everything that you had worked so hard to design uh for this game was just it it was over overshadowed by a couple of easy maneuvers that were Hmm. epic looking and too easy to pass up um yeah yeah and so that that's one thing. I don't know if you had the similar experience. The smoke bombs are just mega OP, dude. As soon <laughs> I as love you, them though. <laughs> I know it. It just simply if I'm getting overwhelmed by a bunch of soldiers all at once, I'm gonna smoke bomb, uh, murder the leader, and then yeah, yeah, get. It was just too easy. It was like, yeah, it was. why am I? Why are you teaching me the melee combat if you're gonna give me a tool that's that takes all of that away? 
Yeah. What do you think I'm going to do? Start a combo on the leader that won't finish him off? Or you think I'm going to go for the quick R1 silent strike? What do you think I'm going to do? So yep. that was a little, uh, just the way that that worked. And people say the the the, um, the stealth is improved from this game. I don't know if I agree with that. I didn't feel like the stealth was a problem in, in Zero Dawn, but I don't know. That's just my two cents. The melee and the skill tree together combined were just a little over uh, underwhelming. I, I didn't care for that. Um, no, those are but, valid points, though. And you're right. I mean, I remember going clearing out um, a bunch of bandit camps in the first game, and it being like, oh, like I have to, like I have to hide a little bit, but I'm mostly relying on my bow and arrow to take them out. You know, I could probably get in a, a shot because you could do like a surprise attack hit, but I don't think it was immediately killing them. Um, and in this one, you're absolutely right. I would just to make it simple, I'd go and I'd kill the leader, and then after that, I think in every bandit camp or maybe it was just some of them you could like make a decision to then leave and then yep. come back and they would have abandoned it so you didn't even have to fight yep. everybody um, that's right as yeah. long as you took out the leader and yeah using a smoke bomb and just sneaking around uh you'd be able to do that then you could clear the whole thing and so it didn't have as much of a allure to me so after i did one or two of them i was like meh like okay like in some games, like, that's my favorite thing in the world, you know, is, like, to go, like, in Ghost of Tsushima, like, I loved going to the Mongol camps and just, like, slowly taking everybody out or challenging them all to, a you know, a standoff, massive duel. And, that's right. And right. killing them systematically. And that, that all that impact is lost here in this game. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm speaking of, uh, while we're on the topic... Uh, I know I'm a little scattered today. I apologize. But speaking of the topic, bandit camps, was that something that you looked forward to or not? Well, I think, I mean, I I feel like I answered that just now because I was mentioning that it, it was one in this game in particular. Usually I do like them. In this game in particular, though, didn't care for it. I was, it seemed, because I could cheese it, like you said, with the smoke bombs right. and with the stealth, I didn't right. care for it. The stealth is improved in Forbidden West, but the enemies are not. They're not improved yeah. to combat stealth, so because of that, it did it, it made it all a little too simple. Yeah, I so I do have a category down here called Rebel Camps. I would say there was a quote that I and this goes to the whole game really, but there was a quote. Let me see if I can find it from myself from the first podcast. Um, let's see, do, 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 do. where are you? Where'd you go, Jared? I just want to say I, I appreciate how like prepared you were honestly i was blown away when i saw your document with all these little categories and stuff so much fun thank you i literally as i i appreciate that as i told you that like there's a trade-off between simplicity and complexity i'm kicking myself because i'm looking at all this information on my page and i'm like i'm kind of overwhelming myself a little (laughs) bit (laughs) well some of the stuff we're talking about with other things so that's true that's we'll just true. have to like make those final decisions, but yeah. There's there's definitely a um, a natural flow to our conversations when we don't have any notes and we're winging it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I I think comparing the two is is definitely necessary for this. Oh, here's my quote. This is a fun one. Essentially, yeah. um, I need bigger, badder, and more. Uh, it took me a long time to find a simple quote, but essentially. Uh, it was that's what was my quote from Zero Dawn, and while I feel okay. like this game largely delivered on that, and you could see it in the stats, like for instance, Rebel Camps on this topic, there's 23 Rebel Camps in mm-hmm. Forbidden West and only seven in Zero Dawn, and yet you're exactly right. 
with it, it was bigger, but it wasn't badder. That's for sure yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of comparison. And my the most disappointing thing to me um, was that Nil wasn't there. Do you remember Nil from the first game? No, you have this down here, and I'm like, oh, which one is Nil? So I Nil is that psychopath who was like the the place where the arrow meets the gap in the armor is where I belong. I, I know I've quoted him to you before. Um, he he was that psychopath from the first game who challenged you to a duel to the death and you could either reject him or accept it. And he would be outside each rebel camp. And if you were, Uh, yeah, if you approach the rebel camp from what the game would consider to be the natural direction, um, it would, he would be there to talk to you and he'd say, Hey, and you would, you, you could go into the camp with him together or whatever. But at the end of the, all of the, um, uh, rebel camps, the he would say he said i have no purpose anymore and you surprise surprise meet him again in the second game under machine racing essentially horizon forbidden west version of mario kart um <laughs> and i say that with tongue in cheek a little bit but nil was the best part of the rebel camps he's the reason i looked forward to doing them in the first game and was saying that i need yeah. more of them it's because he was that psychopath he had so many good lines in this drone in his voice he was like he was just so engaging as a side character. I I loved him and I miss him. And he's in the second game, but like in a much lesser and less impressive capacity. Yeah. Um, so that was not my favorite. But um, are there any on the on the topic of characters here? Are there any? Um, Oh, actually, let me finish up this one point. Rebel camps. Did you finish all the rebel camps? How much of the game did you beat? No, I, I didn't. Well, and like I said, I don't think I like. There's a lot of this game that I didn't do, and right. I think I mentioned this too that that kind of bit me in the butt when I got to the final mission because I was just underpowered. Um, sure. So I'm gonna be honest. You had machine racing down here. I don't think I ever saw that. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't. It's so easy to miss because you yeah. need to find the first quest in the south of the desert, and it's way out of the way, and so yeah. you'd miss it if you weren't careful. Yeah. Um, the rebel camps. Uh, the fin. The the reward for finishing all of the rebel camps is not nearly exciting enough. There's 23 of them, and you. The final battle is a showdown with two Clostriders, which are essentially essentially the game's version of uh, Velociraptors. Um, there are two Clostriders and a, and a human boss with just an exceptionally long health bar, and that's it. I was like, "You're kidding me! 23 of these, and this is what I get for it." Um, I was shocked. There was a couple of letdowns in terms of completing collectible quests that yeah. were in Forbidden West, and that was one of them. Um, but hmm. characters, so. Are there were there any people that you noticeably missed between Forbidden West and Zero Dawn, or should I say, coming from Zero Dawn to Forbidden West? I mean, I can't help but think of a couple of them. Uh, the characters well, what are you, from the first you game. Tell, you tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, so I'm talking about the characters that were with you along the journey that were noticeable. Uh, you know, dialogue, cutscenes had were you know, they were special or whatever else. Nil. Talana from the Hunter's Lodge, Avad, Vanasha, the lady with the abs in the first game. Yes, my queen. Uh, Rost, <laughs> Eratok from the DLC, the chieftain from the DLC, versus Forbidden West uh, characters, which is Zoe, Alva, Kotalo, the missing arm guy, Hakaro, the chief, Gaia, the AI, who you talk to a, a ton, yeah, Regala, yeah. Uh, Tilda, who is 
in my opinion, an exceptional character in beta. I mean, the list seems bigger for Forbidden West, but comparing the two, what did you think? Uh, ultimately, who would you give the edge to here? You know, I think the... Um, I think the... Uh, I don't know which one I give the edge to, to be honest, because I like... I, I missed Rost a lot, for sure. Yes, like, Rost me too. is a big... And they even... They referenced him a couple of times, and I loved when they have that moment between um, Aloy and Beta where... They're like, what's the difference between us? And then it's like, oh, it's Rost, which is like totally like the opposite of feminism there. (laughs) Like, um, talk about the patriarchy, but um, I just thought that was interesting. Um, But yeah, no, that was like definitely a gaping hole there. Uh, Just that heart between her and Rost. Um, Beta was a really fun character, though, like a new addition. I liked her a lot. So. For me, I think I think Forbidden West, and maybe it's just because I played it more recently. And when we talked about Zero Dawn too, I didn't play through it all the way again. So even then, the last time I really went through all the side quests, everybody was in 2017. So a lot of that has faded for me. Um, and so Forbidden West just being more fresh in my mind, I'm like I, I enjoyed them a little bit more. I liked the um, the Sun King in Zero Dawn was interesting because he he was a good man correct me if i'm wrong here uh he was a good man and he was untried and so a lot of people were concerned about him am i talking out of my butt here am i thinking of the right person nope um nope that's yeah sun king of odd who is nice so, but is also a little too uh childish he was a little yeah immature. yeah, yeah. I liked that, yeah. um, and conversely, the guy whose name is escaping me, the the leader of the um, uh, of the tribes who was getting challenged in this game, um, Hikaru was okay. Say it again, Hikaru, H E K A R R O. Yeah, he's I, dude. He was excellent. Yes, I really liked him. I liked him. Yeah. Um, I liked the the chick too. The, all of their names, I just can't remember. <laughs> I should have written them down or something. Um, I liked their opposition and like their conflict and the story behind that was really good. Uh, she was his best warrior, and then um, in the challenge and everything when he stopped it, like now after having let her not get killed, um, she's turned and is like bitter about it. And I was trying to lead yeah. like this whole rebellion. That was all really awesome. I really loved that subplot, that story that was going on. Um, yes more than what was going on in the subplot with the sun king and stuff in zero dawn so um i think i'd err on the side of forbidden west there i think i'd err on the side of forbidden west as well with um the exterior group there's two right uh you have the 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 space people (laughs) and all these names i'm totally gonna butcher here Uh, please jared help me um you have the people from that are coming back with the fancy suits The, Um, the far zeniths yeah, the Zeniths. Yes, that's what it is, the Zeniths. And then you have the group from across the sea uh, who the came Quen. as well. What's that? The Quen. The Quen. Okay, yes. The Quen and the Zenith were both super awesome additions to Forbidden West. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really. And the, that's the thing I think about Forbidden West for me is that Zero Dawn had such an awesome foundation with uh, the Karja and um, the Nora and like all yes. these tribes yes. people and like very primitive living in the midst of all this technology. Um, and in this game, you still have that. You still have them around. They recognize Aloy as a Nora. Um, they, they have this conflict of the tribes that are going on in the West. Um, 
you have the people that um, live down in like the Las Vegas territory and what's going on down there. Uh, some of the like, uh, I don't know what that particular tribe was, but like the the uh, is it Osiram were like the weaker tribe that were kind of getting taken advantage of a lot. Maybe I'm saying the wrong tribe. Um, so like you still have a lot of that interplay there, but yeah. then to have these outside groups also involved and with their own interests and stuff, I loved the Quen and how like they had a lot of the histories themselves and they knew all these stories, but had taken them in different ways. And that yeah. super annoying guy who I was so glad to see die. Um, Dude, yes. Was, was a really fun, fun cocky character like he was such an interesting i don't know um twist on like a leader who was just very delusional and right. ended up being like such a pansy at the end like it was just a ton of fun like i loved his character too um and then the zeniths themselves were a very intimidating imposing force on the outside um and then the returning characters were all good silence was fantastic and and that's the thing about forbidden west is that they get the benefit of both worlds right um yeah. so of course zero dawn is who introduced us to silence so silence was great then he's still great now um same with you know her buddies like uh what is it Aaron is the drinker um and then varl who of course has a tragic moment here in this story which was very sad um that was a that was a sad moment for sure yeah and Um, well done well well performed it yes i agree i agree um and i knew something was gonna go wrong there i'm glad they committed to it though like i'm glad i'm glad something happened there that uh gave it some some weight yeah so so did lucy lucy saw it coming from a mile away she's like um this is gonna go wrong yeah yeah. yeah. So all of that, like to say, like them being back, I think was was nice and having that you know familiarity. But really, you have to attribute those to Zero Dawn. So it's tough for me to say um, which of the two is better. I think the e- inclusion of the outside groups is going to give Forbidden West the edge for me. Um, but Zero Dawn still had great great characters like rost um the the matriarchs of the nora were all very yeah, interesting yeah. um the uh of course silence and his his quest that was going on in the first game so like there's like there's a lot there too um so it's yeah. hard for me to decide but i think i'm gonna give the nods to forbidden west here the decision to me for me came down to quantity over quality and i did feel in two specific cases nil and talana talana is the lady the girl that you help overcome the uh, pure misogyny in the Hunter's Lodge in the first game, which I loved all of that. I thought that was adept. Uh, it was an adept reward for um, leveling up my bows and my my weapons and stuff. I loved the Hunter's Lodge uh, see-through quest line. It felt a little bit like Skyrim. I think that's why I liked it. Um, but also in this game, now you upgrade or buy weapons through the arena, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I think for me, Zoe, great character. Alva, okay. Catalo, great character. Hikaru, great character. Gaia, great character. Regala, forgettable. Tilda, fantastic. <laughs> Beta, Beta, good. And as opposed to Nil, Talana, Sun King of Vod, Vanasha, Rost, Eratok, the these characters were in their most in their essence in the first game very pure. And I feel like especially Nil and Talana were tarnished in the second game. So to me, it, it, they're equal because there's more of them in the second game, but I felt sure. like I enjoyed the way that they were used in the first game more. Um, and that's, that's just my two cents. I really felt okay. like, yeah. So um, I really 
resonated, I think, stronger with the first game's characters. Uh, Aaron is still great. Varl is still great, of course. Uh, Silence. I wish there was. There's always more of him. I think in out. Yeah. My favorite character in Forbidden West had to be Tilda. Uh, her so super soft, sultry spoken voice. Her background with Elizabeth and her. Yeah. Her yeah. motivations and the quiet strength that resonated from the voice actress who who played her. Where she was my favorite. She was incredible. Yeah. Um, at, I, I really her enjoyed too. her. I think the uh, voice acting in Forbidden West is better. I really do all around. Um, but I do have to say that the dialogue is, it it's like fluctuates between for Forbidden West specifically, the dialogue fluctuates between mega cringe and mega relatable. Like there's no in between, and I don't know <laughs> if you felt the same way, but I was like, what in the world is going on here? Um, the, it was it, it, uh, there, for example, there's a great, there's a couple of great dialogue moments. Uh, there's Moreland and the Poseidon for the Poseidon thing. Kotalo is a great character. Hikaru is great. Um, and then there's Co. There's you know there's a couple of really good ones, but there's also mo- the majority of the side quests are just cringe or cliche or mm. um, sometimes the way Aloy is voice acted is is hard to listen to. Um, it so it. It just it was there's no in between. It was either really good or really bad. And I, I don't sure. know if you had the same experience with the dialogue. I think I think I'd agree. I think both games kind of were that way. <laughs> where there's sure. just like yeah. a lot of good and a lot of bad. The one thing about this game that stuck out to me um was the insensi- incessant amount of dialogue from Aloy. She is talking non stop. I don't know if that annoyed you, but it really annoyed me after a while. Um, she's just like talking to herself and I know that like that's that's the developers trying to like clue the player in on a lot of things yes um but yeah the role okay this is not um this is not um what's her name uh ash oh it's Ashley Birch as this is not Ashley Birch's best role by bar none um that she's played uh very straightforward when it comes to aloy and and it works really well when aloy's being the the strong figure that she needs to be you know rallying people behind her or trying to get beta to see that this is the right thing to do despite the dangers and like all of that works really well but then in this like the regular circumstances and situations yeah she comes off a little cringe um and her constantly talking to herself just like drove me bonkers so. I think it drove me bonkers in the handholding sense of a way. Like we've we've right. made this critique against games like this before, but the handholding has got to stop. I'm sorry, yeah. the the Ubisoft way of doing open world RPGs has got to stop. Let me figure it out. I I don't I don't need the handholding. Um, I, that's that's not what I need you to do. So I that's that's something we've talked about on other podcasts before. I don't know if you want to add to it, but um, the dialogue that Aloy was speaking didn't bother me in terms of the excessiveness of it as much as the npcs did uh Mm. oh my goodness so first of all let's let's talk about a a great moment that that illustrates my point here um unless you wanted to add to the hand-holding comment about open world rpgs no right because we that's yeah we have talked about that a couple of times um the 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 singing and plain song did you notice that um, what about the chorus? It? The chorus and like the harmonic voices and all that stuff. Do you remember that part? Um, I do remember the singing, but I don't think it was anything that stood out to me. Gotcha. That nothing to write home about. Totally fine. 
that to me, as someone who really loves singing and, and everything like that, I really enjoyed that. The The song, if you want to listen to it uh, on Spotify, is from the Forbidden West uh, album. It's As Before We Are, Feet Musica Intima. Um, and there's something there. There's something magical there because it's so tribal. Um, it's so beautiful. And it works with the whole the chorus, the way the Utaro farmers. And they really like utopianize the Utaro, um, the farmers there. They really make it seem like green is the way to go. And they have their fields worked out. And they're, you know, in conjunction with the land gods. And it's all very touchy-feely. Yeah. And I didn't hate that because I felt like Zoe's plot uh, her side quest as a character, which was difficult and enjoyable, um, was she's a warrior who decided to be a gardener as opposed to a gardener who couldn't be a warrior, if that makes sense, to, to go with that old adage. So I enjoyed that. But anyway, the singing in Plain Song, beautiful and utterly ruined by the, the, the comments from side questers in the village. <laughs> hey, so you're ignoring me, huh? Oh my goodness, dude. What were they thinking? Like, I don't know who designed that, but for someone to shout at Aloy, um, oh, the savior of Meridian. And I'm like nowhere near people. It just taking me out of it every yeah. single time. There has to be some kind of a proximity code in there where like, unless you're super close to someone, they just shut up and let you enjoy yeah. the vibes. Like, I was stunned by how often that annoyed me in so many ways. Um, I loved how the world felt so full of people. I loved that. The number of villages, yeah, the number yeah. of settlements, absolute improvement from Forbidden West, uh, from uh, Zero Dawn, uh, which is another reason why the open world gets gets the nod for me as well. But the, the, the dialoguing that's just on the side there, whoa, buddy, was it too much. Holy cow. Uh, I don't know if you had a similar experience. No, I think I totally agree. Now, that sort of thing does happen in a lot of other open worlds, and that's something I think with Forbidden West, you know, um, we've mentioned before, and I think I've said it, you know, generic masterpiece in that it does a lot of the same things that other open worlds do and also has some of its faults as well. Um, So the incessant, like, calling out and talking, yeah, for sure, especially when it could call for... You know, I I think the problem is the, the world is so beautiful and the the story is so poignant and um, I don't know, you want to soak that stuff in and not have right. all this loudness right. around you that's right. distracting you from it. And they let that happen when it could have been more muted, when it could have been finessed a little better. So yeah, I think, I yeah. think I'd agree. Um, but also like it's not forbidden West. That's the only one that does that sort of thing. Um, right. But right. At the same time, it, it is, I mean, I, I mentioned it with Aloy. It is, it is egregious. <laughs> it's yeah, definitely egregious yeah. in this game. But one thing that's not egregious, I, I don't know if you'd agree, but the music, like I mentioned, the chorus yeah. and the whatever, the music to no, this for game sure I is would. tremendous. Now, yeah. the only question, and this is a compliment to even be asking this question, is did you feel like they went too big? There were moments, I felt, mm. at least just a couple here and there, where the music was so big for what was going on. I was like, it's not that big of a deal. But I also <laughs> respect it so much. There's a specific moment where the combination of music and FX, you get to a specific cauldron and the slaughter spine is powering up. And it's like, I don't know. It just feels like you're about to fight Godzilla. It's so yeah, epic. Yeah. Freaking epic. So did you feel like they went too big? There's so many. The album for this on Spotify is massive. What do you think? No. 
I don't think so. No, I yeah. think it it called for it, or at least like it it rises to it. Um, and I appreciated it. I agree. Actually, the, the those major fights like were very intense because of the music. Yes. And, um, there was a lot of like really heartfelt moments as well that were punched up by the music. So I thought they did a great job in this game. And Zero Dawn definitely had decent music, but um, not nearly as memorable. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, music for sure goes to Forbidden West. I respect I respect it so much. There's so many songs in here. There's so much big music moments. I, I really, really love it. Um, the, the big music moments go nicely hand in hand with the main storyline. Um, speaking of which, if you had to choose... Who oh, had the man. better plot? Who had the better plot? Are we talking That's... Hades, the savior of Meridian, or are we talking about defeating the Farzinus and leading the way, in my opinion, seamlessly into a third game? Whew. Oh, yeah. No, I think they hardcore left the cliffhanger there at the end and saying, like, this story is not over. Um, yeah. This is, this is the big question here, Jared. Um, right. I think, I think Zero Dawn was as good as it was because of two things because of the combat with the machines um and then because of the story and the the nuance to it the the depth behind what was going on the you know in the ancient past now and then also uh in her present what she had to deal with and i didn't think that forbidden west would ever be able to come close to comparing to it and yet they pulled some things out of places i would have never thought of and escalated it to a level that i would have never expected and um yeah because of that i was very very impressed by forbidden west um this is just a great premise it's a great world like it is just it is ripe for for um like further mining and further delving into and the developers thankfully go to those places like they really add to it in forbidden west when they could have been easy to just kind of play on the zero dawn stuff and because the yeah. zero dawn stuff was so cool you know just kind of leave it at that level but no they go further it's like john wick and john wick 2 like they just take it to that next yep. next spot that that world needs to be in and so because of that i think in my mind they're about the same actually um zero dawn's like revelations of uh how this world came to be were so good um combined with aloy's own personal struggle um and then forbidden west kind of quiet opening where you're trying to find hephaestus in order to uh complete gaia um was like a a a soft entry into now this major conflict between the zeniths and what are they doing and at the end you realize that they're also escaping what do they call it um uh what's the like major threat at the end because it's not hades it's um yeah i don't remember the name of it i think it's it's not julius that's the dumb ai in the side quest um it's i don't remember the name of it it's something good like it's also like an evil sounding thing like hades but now hades is gone um and you have silence with his own interests as well who in both games is is kind of working things against your will and honestly aloy probably should have killed him (laughs) for all the ways that he's backstabbed her or like twisted things in directions that she was not ready for and stuff and um there's there's even a moment in forbidden west where she like basically said like next time you do this I'm going to kill you. And I was like, yeah, this is the next Ooh. time Aloy. <laughs> like yeah, that's what's yeah. happening. Right? Yeah. Um, Fool me once. Such... Shame on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but 
I mean, Silence is such a good character, you can't get rid of him either. But um, I loved all that stuff added with the Zenith and the mystery around that. So I, I gotta, I gotta say that they're they're both kind of even for me. Um, what would you say though between the two plots? I would say it goes to Forbidden West, but but let me explain okay. why. Right. So yeah, yeah. So um, Forbidden West did a tremendous job at two specific things. Um, one. Um, plot twists that I I didn't yeah. see any of them coming. Lucy saw yeah. Varl's coming. I didn't see any of them coming. Um, and the Odyssey actually succeeded. These people are genetically altered. Uh, their technology actually works. I thought Elizabeth Sobeck was the only successful person on the planet from the first game. Yeah. And sure enough, it turns out that the world doesn't actually work that way. And I yeah. really liked what I saw. I love again. I loved Tilda. I loved um, the characters brought in Eric and Gerard. I don't know who they're meant to be um, mocking. I think one is supposed to look like Jeff Bezos, maybe. Um, but <laughs> but essentially, uh, I wonder if that's intentional or not. Maybe. But essentially, the the plot gets bigger and badder. The introduction of the Quen, other worlds, all the things that you mentioned before, I can't, I can't disagree with at all. But also, too, the seamless integration of the next game, the third game that yeah, I, now yeah. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for. I, I have rarely ever seen a movie, or sorry, a movie and a video game justify another sequel so easily. I don't mm-hmm. even think m- many Marvel movies can justify them as good as this game did. What you will find out um, is the perfect... It just makes so much sense, and it works. I never felt like the plot was cheesy or forced in any way. All of it made sense. The The plot twist where Beta shows up and the tension between her and Aloy is is understated and excellent. Um, the it, Just the grand scheme of things, it feels bigger and badder, which is something that I wanted from the first game. The, the story... Gaia... Gaia the voice actor actress for Gaia is also tremendous. The things that she says at give like puts physical weight on your shoulders for what you're, you need to do. It's incredible. Um, you know, I, I really liked it. I thought that the lore for the main storyline was exceptional. Um, and an improvement on Zero Dawn, except for the way Ted Farrow ended. I did not enjoy that. Oh, really? I thought it was a, a cop out. You don't even get to oh. see it or do it yourself. It's a cop out. Oh, I, I disagree. I loved that. Okay, no, I wanted tell me, the, tell me. Yeah, it's, other, it's, it's other the, than that, the main story is better in almost every way. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, I liked the Ted Farrow stuff. Like you had the the guy who's obsessed with him, whose name is escaping me, who was basically thinking he's him reincarnate. Co. Yeah, um, and then you go down there, and yeah, you expect to go and see it, but I liked that they didn't show it to you because it's just all left in your imagination now, and it's like. Oh, like, what did he look like? Like, what was going on with him? Like, he's he's lived this long, and, like, his life has gone, and his cells have regenerated so much. Like, what in the world happened? Um, I liked that. Like, I liked it being left open to interpretation. Personally. Personally. Um, oh, man, Jared, I have to get you to play the game Inside. Because that's what I was thinking. Um, and I don't want to spoil Inside for you, but we have to cover that at some point. Okay, um, all right. It's like I'll a two-hour game, so... We absolutely need to cover it. One of the best okay. games ever made, Inside. Um, such an interesting philosophical game. Anyway, um, at the end of Inside, there's this huge revelation as to like what's been going on the whole time. And the revelation in that is what I almost picture happens with Ted Faro. <laughs> and I'm like, I love that it didn't give it to me 
Like, I, I don't know. Like, I like the, the restraint there. Because it would have been easy to just come up with some weird, creepy monster thingy looking. Um, but I liked the leaving it up to you and your imagination to fill in the blank. That's just me, though. I could see why it'd also be frustrating. And in the moment, too, I was kind of like, oh, I don't get to see it. Like, I have to leave. Um, but I liked <laughs> I liked it, personally. Um, and yeah. Nemesis, by the way, is the... That's right. The, that's right. The thing that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I looked it up. <laughs> but no, that was so I I think that's fair. I also think too like CO again another thing with the characters speaking too much out of proximity. I'm running around the room looking for um <laughs> data points and um uh, data points and uh, uh you know quest you know collectibles whatever else the purple thingies. And mm-hmm. CO is just saying the same two lines over and over again every 10 seconds i was like yeah hitting me with this this is egregiously bad um so that that was that but um but yeah so that was the only drawback it's really not a huge one i think other than that the storyline is is again a fresh original take they did it two times in a row man but but what i will say is that i the the overworld the lore let's go to the lore here for a second I okay. think it's very clearly in favor of of Zero Dawn. And just I in the so sense too. of I gave a crap about finding out what happened to the world in the first mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a similar number of data points, as I mentioned here. So there's a similar amount of data to collect about the overworld. But the the care that I had was in, in Forbidden West only linked to the main quest line. Um, the care in zero dawn was like, I need everything. I want to get all yeah. of the, how did everything happen? Tell me all the details. And, um, I think that the, the way the data is built out in the first game, I think probably because of the novelty and the newness of it is, is much better. Um, it, that would be my consensus there. One of the examples of why it's better is the Vista points, um, this is one of those collectible things that you get up at a high point and you're trying to locate. I found it incredibly frustrating to match up the top, the view. And then there was no audio point at the Vista point. So I was like, "Ah, I thought it was a lesser. That's just a small note, but tell me about what you thought about the lore, Josh. Like, tell me what you felt um, about all of that. I agree with that. Um, All you need to know is that horizon zero dawn takes place in the Rocky mountains. And so it's automatically going to be better. Yes, (laughs) Yes, because so. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado I love lover Rockets, over here. So. Yeah, that's yeah, right. exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be special to me. I mean, in the new one, you got like you you, you know you could see Vegas and uh, San Francisco. So, if you like those spots, which I don't think geographically made a whole lot of sense, um, but whatever. I mean, this is a video game, so they're gonna take some artistic um, uh, judgment, creative judgment there, um, and yeah. make some decisions about it, but. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. Uh, the mystery of the lore was a huge one in the first game, and you just you can't do that again. So um, bummer for for them. And again, they add a lot with the with the what where the Zeniths were coming from, how they were tying back to back during that time as well. Um, their own interests and in now coming in basically at first you think, or at least this is what you're told. I think by Tilda is that they're there to. Um, basically wipe the slate clean and start their own mini utopia after having ruined their previous planet. And then it turns out, no, they're actually on the run. Like they're, they weren't planning on staying here very long at all. 
Um, yeah. And she wasn't going to tell them that. So, like, that, there's still, like, some stuff of mystery there and lore and, like, why everyone's doing what they're doing for sure. Uh, but I think in the first one, you just can't get it, like, uh, why Aloy's important, uh, who Gaia is, and if it's a machine or if it's, you know, this deity that they're talking about, um, how the world came to be, where all these machines came from. Um, what happened before, like, what, is this the world that we're in now or like currently like that you and I are sitting in 2022 or is it some alternate earth, you know, um, there's just so much there and yeah. the story of Sobek and, um, the, the calamity that happened and, and Pharaoh's obviously horrible character and how he ruined everything for, you know, the rest of the <laughs> the human race yeah, um, like right. all of that like the, it's just I, I think zero dawn for sure takes the cake yeah you you made a comment in the first podcast you said i could read books and books and books about this world yeah. and yeah. i think we both feel that forbidden west doesn't quite live up to that and i maybe that's partially novelty maybe it's partially um you know just the first game always grips you a little bit more in terms of lore but i i think i would i would say it's the first game for me for sure um in terms of just which one's better for sure. Um, speaking of which, uh, along those lines, um, collectibles, the, 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 the environmental storytelling that these games do, I would, I would personally have to give the edge to Forbidden West for a couple of reasons, but it's close. It's almost equal. In fact, I might even just say they're equal, really. But like the Banuk figures and the metal flowers with poetry from Gaia in them are reminiscent of the first game, and I miss them. I really do. And and the animal figurines from the uh, Frozen Wild DLC, I missed that. It felt like something that I really enjoyed collecting. However, the black boxes with the audio points of desperation from uh, humans who fought in the Great the Plague War and the drones, the drones were super fun environmental. Um, I really enjoyed those. Um, I, I would... It's it's really hard to say. I I like yeah. both aspects of the games. I really like the drones, but I really like the Banuk figures and the wall paintings. You could you remember seeing the wall paintings from like really great distances and be like, oh, there's a figurine way up on that mountain because it's painted. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but that that was something that I really enjoyed. Um, one thing, there's ornaments here in the relic ruins. Did you enjoy the puzzles that came with the relic ruins and tell me about collectibles in general, which game do you think has it here? I did actually, I liked, um, the ruins in forbidden West. Um, the drones are yeah. fun too. I, I, I think the, and again, this, this might just be recency bias, but I think the, um, the, the way that you acquired a lot of that stuff was just a lot more fun and interesting in forbidden West um, with the runes themselves, the drones are always like, Oh, how do I get to that thing? Yep. Um, yep. Uh, and the black boxes, like sometimes you'd see it. Like if you scanned, you could like see it through the, uh, through, you know, the walls and everything, but you didn't know how to quite get there. Um, yeah. They had the, they, they have metal flowers. I don't remember what the difference is between those in zero dawn and in this one. In the first is game, that... you just collect them and they have poetry from Gaia in them. In the second game, okay. you smash them open 
you dissolve the vines and you collect whatever right. little loot that they're covering. But the loot is often unimpressive. And it's right. most of the time it's like green shine and something you use to upgrade and it's whatever else. The black boxes, yeah. however, in the planes, you get a weapon if you collect all of them. So that's really cool. But anyway, keep going. And they often came with like a piece of audio like dialogue yeah. too that yes. was like talking yes. about what was going on with them. Yeah. I think I'd give the nod to Forbidden West. And again, that might just be recency bias, but um i'd say collectibles wise there is a lot of there's a lot of fun to be had while getting them so yeah if you're going to have a game with checkpoints you need to have a reward at the end of them and i think that the black boxes do it really well and i think too i didn't i just finished the ornaments the other day and it's kind of cool um oh and we didn't even talk about this but we'll get to it in a second the the vegas was super cool. I really loved yeah. how they did Vegas in this game. Yeah. And ornaments, it was fun. one of the collectibles there is you get a reward if you collect all the ornaments in addition to a light show. Vegas, and um, then we'll use this to segue into new monsters, but Vegas was super cool in terms of environmental storytelling. Uh, another reason why I give the the nod to Forbidden West when it comes to the overworld. Um, I really enjoyed how they incorporated um, uh, swimming um how they incorporated um that into it i don't remember what the others were i think um aether is oh chief you meet chief akaro uh in the aether or or whatever it is i don't remember um and then demeter as well like i i really enjoyed the the checkpoints and the way they incorporated all of aloy's skills uh, into the main storyline but vegas yeah. is exceptional with the combination of flying through the air is amazing i thought that was tremendous environmental storytelling yeah no I, I couldn't agree more vegas was a big highlight of forbidden west for sure yeah for sure and in vegas the underwater level um and we've already talked about how swimming is really enjoyable and easy um you get to meet one of the many new machines called the tide yes. ripper which yes. is essentially like um, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's um, it's like it a, looks like please, a, a plesiosaur, a prehistoric yes. plesiosaur, a dinosaur. Yes, and it's tremendous. Plessy. the mich- the yes, yeah, Nessie. That's exactly that's what I was thinking of. Loch Ness monster. That's right. Um, and so the machine count for the first game is 25. The machine count for this game is 43. Um, and and a, you can tell, with- dude. I'm going to be yes. honest. I feel like you yes. can really tell. Like that was when you said like bigger batter, they did it in the machines on a level You're that exactly um, right. is a You're huge exactly right. improvement. Like I think the the amount of them and the the level of like intensity between each one, like they they go way above and beyond the uh, T-Rex in this game to like some really crazy ones. Um and uh, you have like the the fancy ones too in this one, and um, the like. The, I think they're just Zenith made. I'm not sure actually. Um, and then you have like the you have like a giant snake. You have a giant um, um, mammoth. You have uh, yeah the the Tide Ripper. Uh, there's so much, and it's so much fun. And each yeah. of them, even then, like in the midst of that, like they're adding more, but each of them do even then still have strategies that they're uh that you have to employ in order to take them down and um i think because of that forbidden west gets the nod it's tough (coughs) it's tough to do because quite frankly they're building off of the base that zero dawn had so it's like ah like 
like how fair is that <laughs> yeah but i do think it's still like forbidden west that was one of the things they really nailed uh yeah. was giving you m- so much more when it came to the machines like i said the two things that were like the big showstoppers for the first game were the machines and the story and i think in both of those categories forbidden west delivered in spades so i'd have yeah. to give it the nod i do i do have to say that i miss my um so th- there's a couple machines that are left out longhorns are left out um there's i think the 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 buffalo looking one from the first game is left out he's not in there mm. um and i miss a couple of the ones that i noticed that weren't in the game but i i do have to say that yeah bigger batter is is the word and even without old machines they still almost had as many they almost doubled in size in terms of yeah and then with all the apex variants it, it's essentially is doubled in size you're you're dealing with you know harder bigger bigger better um batter machines uh definitely and so definitely a step up um the massive I, I, digger turtles dude were so yes, annoying but like they are, so much yeah. fun yeah i yeah. found um and this the machine and you know, machine combat, there's a couple of different directions we could go. I like the little touches that this game... Have you ever noticed that you can ride um, a, a boar? I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. Uh, bristleback. Yeah, no, can, the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can ride the big one, and you will actually, depending on the direction that you mount the animal, she'll, she'll do, a, like, a front flip onto it. She'll hop mm-hmm. up on it. She'll, like... So little touches like that were really cool uh, that I enjoyed. They They... They did a good job with stuff like that, little yeah. touches and, yeah. and building those machines. I did find that trying to upgrade my weapons and armor was so tedious. Uh, I don't know what your experience was with that. I, you know, I think I feel the same way. It was just a lot that was going on. So I didn't, again, I, I didn't give as much time to this game as I probably could have if I had the time to give. So a lot of stuff like that, I simplify it in my life by just sticking with a particular a few things and trying to go in and like upgrade stuff was always like, ah, oh, and every now and then I do it just to like get the chore out of the way. Um, sometimes I just wish like game, like some games, like you really don't need to add all the crazy little RPG stuff. Like it's just too much at some point, like personally, um, I actually even feel that way a little bit about Ragnarok right now. Because I'm like, oh, I have to like pick a like a handle for my axe, and then I have to like pick what um, braces I have on my arms, and like all this stuff. And I'm just like, can I just be Kratos and like upgrade like my weapon every now and then? Like I don't know. Like sometimes it just needs to be simple. But games don't do that anymore. Everybody has to have RPG stuff, and everybody has to have like all these little nitty gritty ways that you can customize and whatnot. I know a lot of people really go for that, so. I might be on the outside looking in, but yeah, it's yeah. a it's no, a, I'd agree. it's a it's a pseudo way of adding thickness and bro, uh, broad uh, breadth to your game uh, and yeah. making it feel bigger than it is is to have you kind of get down into the nitty gritty of the details. Um, but when it, when it comes to weapons and armor, um, I would actually say that they're. You, so you said the first game. The first game is better. Uh, I think that's I think fair... just because it's it's yeah. more straightforward. And the yeah. like I liked to mix and match my armor a lot more. In Forbidden West, I, I had things taken away from me when I did that. Like I would, you know, uh, lose a special ability or like some other thing right. that I did, wasn't going to use in combat was going to apply to me. And so it was like, ah, oh, now I have to stick to one thing. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to give it to I, yeah. I would agree. I, I really feel like armor in this game should be aesthetic. I, I really feel like... 
having things being able to look a certain way is better. This was kind of the difficulty with Ghost of Tsushima, except that they kind of pulled it off because every outfit looked sexy for the most part, mm-hmm. Ex- mm-hmm. with some exceptions. This game is not quite that good at making all of their outfits look equal. In fact, Aula looks downright ridiculous in some of them. Um, <laughs> I agree. And, and that's just a personal taste preference. I really wouldn't want a designer to hear me say that and get offended. It's really just a personal preference thing uh, because they're so detailed and that's where it's beautiful, you know? But at the same time, I, I feel like, again, my play style never got so specific. I really didn't make use of the complexity in this game. Right, um, right. As opposed to the armor, the overshield armor in the first game that you have to work so hard for. You have to, like, progress the storyline enough and whatever else to get really good armor. I felt like, unfortunately, ooh, I had a good quote for this. Unfortunately, all you have to do in this game is buy good armor. And uh, that's mm. a, a little disappointing. Where was my quote here? Da, 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 da. Yes. Oh, okay. So this went along with another quote. Speaking of RPG elements, and I want to get to the mini games that they've added later, but when it comes to buying things, they fixed it. Um, as a critique of the merchandising in Zero Dawn, I said, you need to label my inventory better so I don't have to scroll all over the place to find stuff to sell. And they did exactly that. I feel so heard and seen and listened to and like I actually have good suggestions. Um and now, for Forbidden West, they've segregated everything quite nicely when I'm selling things. Perfect. However, I literally said in the first podcast episode, I wonder if buying animal, the upgrade resources, would make the game too easy. And the answer is that yeah. it does. It yeah. definitely does. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't have to fight to upgrade my stuff. It's just a matter of... Um, buying the right the, merchant. Yes, yeah. If you go to Thorn Marsh or wherever it is... By the time you get to that point, you've progressed. The game has everything that you need, all the very rare ingredients to upgrade your pouches, and all you have to do is get there, and it's not that hard to get there in an open-world RPG, and then it's just a matter of finding the right amount of shards and selling and buying. You know, It's, it's really the barrier to entry to Legendary is a little too low, um, but that's, that's personally my preference. I do... Um, I like that the... I don't know, but it's also more complex. There's more to it. Yeah. Now, I in terms of weapons and armor, I'd say that the the armor in the first game, that OP overshield armor, was like too good to be true. It makes the game too easy, even on hard mode. I just went back and played it on hard mode, and it was like it was just too easy with that armor. Um, I really wasn't struggling at all. So that's a disadvantage. And this game, there's too much that I I felt like it was useless or needlessly complex. So I, I'd have to give them the equal here personally. But the weapons, that's the other side of this, and this is where I might change my mind a little bit. Did you enjoy the surplus of ammo types and weapon types in this game, or did you prefer the, the simplicity of the first game? Um, I liked the amount of options. Did I utilize all of them very often? Not too often, but I liked the different types of fences you could put up, the different traps. Now, I didn't, I didn't do much with my trap skill tree, so I I wasn't able to utilize them as much as probably others may have in their playthroughs. I really emphasized the bows, so that's really what I stuck with. Um, that and stealth, like those are the two big things for me. So that was like my, my play style. But I appreciated the addition of um, I don't remember what it's called. It's like the purple, um, like uh status effect um you could also do like a sticky effect um plasma the, and adhesive yeah 
yeah adhesive um the different like fence traps that they had as well i liked all of that like i i, I thought nothing detrimental anyway did i use it all um probably not as much as maybe others may have but i'm more than okay to say like hey no they were good additions and um i liked the um the fact that they came up with some new ideas there um though i will say in the first game what they had was good and and great and straightforward and um more simple yes but i'd say still done very well so for me i'm gonna say they're about even in that uh the first game had of course less uh and the second game added more but i think they're both good in quality that's right now i will say um i have the weapon wheel flow and the tool menu flow here in the same category because my answer is the same i'm glad yours is roughly the same here but like I, there's a couple gripes and a couple advantages. The weapon wheel having obviously six slots in the new, in Forbidden West and four slots in the old means that there's an increase in complexity. And I, but I liked it. I liked having six slots. I thought that was nice. However, where's my rope caster? Where, (laughs) like, why? (laughs) It's still there, but there's not a legendary version of the, the weapon. It's only a very rare version, which annoys the completionist side of me. It's like, wait, wait, wait. I can't. um made like longer too i felt like it was in forbidden west like the wind up to actually be able to use it i don't know all i know is that i never i never i couldn't find one for sale um and i didn't ever get one from a quest line but by the time i really was done looking through the whole map i still hadn't found one and then two i was really looking i well i knew where one was but i learned about legendary level added to all the weapons and armor and was waiting for a legendary one to fall in my lap because there's so many options that i hadn't really used it up to that point and i kind of got myself bottlenecked into i beat the game whatever without ever wanting to use one or needing to use one but at the same time i kind of get it because it, it it takes down the intensity of the fight too much i really like it was too easy to tie down to Thunderjaw and shoot him to pieces. And I I wonder if the developer saw it and was like, that's too cheap. Like, we don't want to do that. Um, and they got rid well, of it. And well, what I don't, because they didn't get rid of it. Cause I definitely had rope casters, but I think the, the compromise was, and that's why I, I'm pretty sure in forbidden West, they made it like you had to load it much longer and you had to let it like prime up much longer. So they helped pull back because you're right, it was OP. Um, and it made it more of like, a, oh, do I spend the time trying to do this? Or do I just try to keep chipping away at their armor? Um, so I felt like they actually balanced it fairly well in Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that. And then they also added the like the needle shotgun weapon, which was good. Um, yeah. I don't think we mentioned that one. So I liked that too. That was a cool addition you couldn't like full roll with it and it had to be reloaded it was the only one that had to be reloaded on its own um so that was interesting as well yeah a a fresh change i would say that i i personally um the i think i liked zero dawn better uh that's in, in terms of weapons i thought it was simpler more effective more fun uh the weapon especially from the dlc frozen wilds dlc the ice spears you could launch at people were mega satisfying, things like that. I, I enjoyed the weapon more in, in Zero Dawn. I also enjoyed that there was only one type of trap level in in, in Zero Dawn. W- what kept happening to me in the tool menu, which is that 
the D-pad menu over on the left bottom side of the screen is that I would disengage a potion or a trap from my menu. I'd remove it. I'd press down on the D-pad and then like get it out of there. And then if I picked one up in the open world, it would add it back to my tool menu. And I was like, what are you doing? Because by the time, it, by the end of the game, I was only using elite level traps because nothing else was worth my time to actually set up and prepare and like plan it in, especially in the middle of, of combat. Um, there was nothing, I didn't want to use any advanced or regular traps. They weren't worth it. I would just use elite traps. It took up too much space to try to scroll through all my traps, which is now because of the different elemental types, there's there's more elements. So there's four different yeah. traps that I yeah. used. I had to go all the way to potions and then what I'd rather just, um, you know, have one type of trap and upgrade the strength of that trap as opposed to make it so that I can choose different. And I understand it's a resource management thing, but by the time you either can do it or you can't, I think that's the answer. Instead of saying, oh, well, if I can't afford an elite trap, I'd rather just use a whatever, an advanced trap. Sure, but it's just kind of tedious to go through all of that in a game that already has so many menus and so much inventory, it just made more sense to me to keep it simplified. So for that, I give the edge to Zero Dawn a little bit here. Um, okay. But that's, those are just my my two cents there, which aren't worth too much. Um, please don't forget to message us and, and, and deride us. Um, I would say the one thing, a couple things that I missed just off the random here before I, I want to get to a, a rapid fire round here in a second. But one of the things that I miss is um, the skill mount call plus. I mentioned that in the machine traversal, which you gave the edge to Forbidden West. I would agree simply because of the flying uh, and the added touches to the traversal. But um, the uh, the mount plus, which is means if you don't have a mount available, you just call for it and one will appear out of thin air. <laughs> I kind of missed that, especially if my Sunwing got killed on accident. So mm-hmm. that was something that I missed. But um, Okay, let's go to, I have a couple of bigger questions, but I want to go to the mini games and some easy answers here. So towards the bottom of my um, list here that I've got, we have cauldrons, uh, tall necks, machine strike, machine racing, melee pits, um, hunting grounds and arena, and side quests. Let's just rapid fire, go through each of these, which you thought was better in each of the games. It doesn't have to be this or whatever, but just like this game had it better, and here's why, a quick little summation here. Um, okay. So... Let's start with, if you're ready, let's start with cauldrons here. Did you yep. notice a difference or enjoy one game's cauldrons more than the other? I think both had really great cauldrons. That was a highlight of Zero Dawn for sure. And I think Forbidden West did take them to the next level. Um, but I'm actually going to say for them that they're that they're even here. Um, because both games... I, I, again, Zero Dawn is the, the um, pioneer, right? So right. I, I give it some... I, I give it some sway because of that. I think the cauldrons in Forbidden West were a little bit more interesting and a little bit lengthier. I like the lengthier aspect of it. Um, but both were had very good cauldrons. Those are those are some of the most fun aspects of the game. So I'm going to say that they're about even. That's, that's good. Okay. Um, the cauldrons, I would agree they're equal. I would say I would give the edge and creativity to the cauldrons because of the addition of swimming. Um, although in the ways that it was used, I found it a little bit tedious and I found the cauldrons to be in the first game to be more death defying a little bit. So to me, they're, they're more creative in the new game, but they're also uh, more original and enjoyable in the first game. So they're about even for me. Tall necks. I said, I wanted bigger, badder, more, and there's exactly the same number of tall necks in both games. Josh, tell me, what'd you think? 
I liked Forbidden West's Tallnecks. I think there's a little bit more um, question as to how you could access them, which was a ton of fun. And they had that one Tallneck in the middle of the map that was just like, oh, how do I get to it? And then it turns out you have to <laughs> get to a particular point in the story. Um, so I loved that. It was like dangling that carrot in front of you the whole time. And I was like, I spent like a good like 25 minutes like trying to figure out how to get on top of it. Right. So did Before I. just abandoning it. Yeah. So yeah. I liked that. That was fun. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, creativity and use of the tall necks was better in Forbidden West. I wish there was more of them again. Uh, obviously, if they get a DLC, because there's six tall necks in the original game, if you include the DLC. So technically, yeah. there's more in the base game of Forbidden West. Uh, there's the underwater tall neck. There's the one that's in yeah. the. There's the one that's in the cauldron. They combine a cauldron with the tall neck. I really yes, like that. That I was, that was awesome. great. Yes. The, uh, they also I, had the one where like it was uh, it's like in the it's it's just past the desert when you're getting back into it's like jungleish area um, and there's like all kinds of stalkers underneath and you have to get yes. up onto these wooden platforms and like figure out your way around to the place and they had the monkey robots up there too which were Hate actually those. like very difficult. Hate those. Um, I know they were a fun challenge though. So like that whole like oh I need to get up here slowly and as I did I finally you know the reward was that tall neck on the end. I thought that was also very good. Yeah, um, yeah I would agree. Forbidden West has the edge here. So let's talk about mini games here. Um, Machine Strike and Machine Racing are what I would consider the two mini games of Forbidden West here. Could you do without? Did you enjoy the addition? More is always a little better, Josh. What was your take on Machine Strike and Machine Racing? I'll, I'm going to be honest. The next four categories we haven't answered, I didn't touch. <laughs> so, See, that? well, there's an argument for that. That's me saying tell I me, could be without yeah. them. <clears throat> tell me your thoughts. Yeah, well, would you... <coughs> machine Strike is um, literally a board game within it, yeah. an RPG. Yeah. Yeah, and I so anytime I see that because this isn't the only game that does it, uh, The Witcher does it, Red Dead does it. Anytime yep. I see th- something like that, I go in the other direction. Actually, in Red Dead, sometimes I'd play like poker, blackjack. That was always fun. Um, but those are like real world games, not a video game game. So that's just me. Some people absolutely love that stuff. I don't know because I didn't play it. I saw it and I walked in the other direction. Same yep. thing for machine racing. Same thing for the. I think I did like one or two melee pits and I was just like, ah, like the melee is just not there. So I just kind of, I, I was meh after that. And then hunting grounds are always fun. I didn't do them in this game just because I, again, didn't put as much time into this as I did in the first one. So I'm going to say on both, um, Machine Strike is Forbidden West, so I feel like that's just kind of a point for it, right? They didn't have that in the first game. Well, I, the reason I put it in here like that is because you're like, no, it doesn't. I'm, you know, I'm an RPG purist. It doesn't need to be in there, or, or yeah, it's more is better. Is essentially the question. Yeah. Well, in this case, I'm gonna say meh and just leave them both totally all fine, them totally blank. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, melee pits, I thought were underwhelming. Um, the machine strike and racing was a meh and then melee pits are underwhelming. The hunting grounds are fun. I didn't play them in forbidden West. So I'm going to say, uh, zero dawn gets the nod unless there was something unique about them in this game that I missed. No. Well, we'll get to it. The arena is what's unique about them in the forbidden West. Um, uh, so let me, uh, just a couple quick comments here. Machine strike. If you like, I actually didn't find it to be annoying. It's actually a fairly balanced, 
um, board game situation with di- sure. differing terrains and animals. You can actually go around and buy pieces for the game. I didn't hate that. I thought it brought a little bit of humanity to the world. Like these people are looking for things yeah. to enjoy while being hunted down by machines. I didn't hate it. Might as well keep it in. That's fine. Machine racing to me is the natural evolution of being able to mount a machine. It makes total sense. It's a little violent. I think that um, trying to... So you could pick up it was really like Mario Kart. It was like too much like Mario Kart. I was like, eh. but it was clever in the way that it was done. The format for Mario Kart works. Why not replicate it in RPG? So if you like it, it's there. I just didn't like the incorporation of Nil. I was like, what? Why are you taking one of my favorite characters from the first game and demeaning him into this position? He was a <laughs> psychopath who was hell bent on killing people but he didn't want to do it in a bad way he was like dexter so he had to you know he had to survive killing bandits might as well just um what's the word i'm looking for might as well be useful in your psychopathic tendencies and you're going to demote him to machine racing and pretend that that's going to be enough not the nil i know buddy no sir (laughs) so that was a little annoying other than that i don't hate the idea and racing these machines uh all four racing maps were fun i did them all at once and there's tide rippers and shell snappers and whatever they shoot at you while you're riding by the races are long so there's chances for you to like feel not as long as mario kart races but there's chances for you to fall behind and catch up and i did find them a little frustrating at times to win that final race the first three races i won very easily and that final race is really difficult um but it was a little too rip-off-ish of Mario Kart. It kind of took me out of it a little bit, but I think done well, it could be an excellent addition to the game because it makes sense. It's a natural evolution of a people that are trying to adapt and enjoy yeah, world loaded with machines. So, Melee Is pits, there a blue shell, though? No, no blue shell. Um, <laughs> you can use shock ammo to to just make people... You see what I'm saying? So it's a little, it's yeah. a little weird. But Melee okay. Pits, again... Zero Dawn all the way. I just think this is not it. In fact, it, the melee yeah. was just not is distracting from the bow play. Focus on the bow play. I think that's where your your advantages is uh, are. Yeah. Now, hunting grounds slash arena. This is tough. So for me, at least, the hunting grounds in the first game were better, in my opinion. Um, okay. But the arena is exactly where this game needs to be. Hunting okay. down machines with a roaring crowd. It's the it's this game's version of gladiatorial sports and it is absolutely necessary to the world in my personal opinion. You get rewards and the only thing is that I feel like it takes the place of the hunting lodge because it functions in the same in a similar way. You beat machines, you get a legendary weapons after you grind a good bit. The only difficulty is that it's hard, and that's that's something that we'll talk about in a second here once we get through our rapid fire. But I, I do like it. There's only four hunting grounds in Forbidden West. There's six in the original game. I wish there was more unique situational things like there were in Zero Dawn. Um, but the arena kind of does that. They, they really put you in a specific situation in a limited space and force you to survive using nothing but your precision uh, and your wits. So I, I enjoyed that, the, the, the problem solving. So I'm going to give the edge to Forbidden West here. Um, same number of side quests. Did any side quests stand out to you? For me, it's they're very equal. Um, I think I liked, and I, again, I didn't do them all, but I think I liked Forbidden West a little bit more. Sure. Um, There's just a lot more variety there. 
I, yeah. I, I think that's just what it comes down to. You, you know, you're going and you're helping to find someone who got lost up in the mountains when uh, a monster attacked and, or a machine attacked. And um, sure. you're going into the mines at one point to help people who got trapped in there. And um, I just liked it. I think the part of that, too, though, honestly, is the animations and graphics Yes. I connected with the people a little bit more in Forbidden West, which yeah. might sound unfair too. And no. we haven't talked graphics too much, but this game is absolutely gorgeous. We will and the in a facial second. animations are to die for. They're yes. to die for. Yes. So the I I would say I think that's a good comparison. The only thing that I um and I like I respect that answer. I can see why you said that. The only reason I say they're equal, not only reason, there's actually four reasons. But this thirty one number for a Forbidden West should be higher. I wanted okay. bigger, badder, better, and I got the exact same. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> it, it's again, it's disappointing to you. You went to the trouble to litter the world, fill the world with these Tanakh clans, and there's so many people, and I love it. The Tanakh are a warrior tribe. Their their reasoning and their memorial grove and like the wings of the ten is a little cliche. It's a little funky, but. Um, but I did – it was disappointing for me to walk into a small settlement that I discovered by happenstance and not find a side quest. There should have been more. There should be one or mm. two for each settlement minimum. Um, in addition to that, the uh, the side quests in the first game were much more memorable. Um, they were okay. just – I just connected to them more emotionally from a story perspective and the dialogue made more sense to me. I enjoyed it more. I think specifically of uh, Vakasha, I think her name is, the lady with the abs in the first game. She's my favorite. Um, the Hunting Lodge, I missed that from the first game. However, there was a specific side quest in Forbidden West where you had to choose between the commander and the young upstart who challenged the commander. I don't know if you got yeah. a chance to do no, you remember, I remember that? that one. Yeah. Dude. Mm-hmm. Dude, that was a heartbreaker. I loved it. I that was <laughs> tremendous. Um, and you have to physically fight the other. And you really, this is a situation where it doesn't matter that Aloy can make good judgment calls and she's a good leader of people. Sometimes yeah. it's not enough, and sometimes she doesn't have enough information. And I loved that. I hated that I had to make a choice. Uh, I told yeah. Lucy, I was like, I don't want to choose. This is ridiculous. And she's like, sorry. Um, but I, <laughs> so I think that I liked the side quest in the first game better, I think, because of novelty bias. But I feel like Forbidden West holds its own because they have that and they also had more people. And um, yeah. it's, it, but that number should be bigger. It really should be 31. It sh- that shouldn't be the same amount. There should be more. So, you know, okay. but then again, okay. this 31 number, I think, includes the DLC. So there is technically more in the base game of Forbidden West. It's just I'm I'm considering the DLCs um, together. So yes, yeah. you mentioned graphics and haptics. I think it's super clear that Forbidden West gets the edge here. Yes. Aloy looks better. The ma- the lip syncing looks better. Um, her hair is a little distracting, but the facial movements for the characters are improved. It's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Shiny, shiny, beautiful. It's so much more varied too. Like. Um, it's just, it, this game is a marvel to watch in motion. It, it caught, um, I've been playing it on and off. My family is, since I live in Connecticut, they'll pop into my apartment randomly at times. And every single time I was playing Forbidden West, they're like, what is this game? What is this game? Yeah. It's so yeah. eye catching. 
The draw distance that was so exceptional in the first game is still here. It is one of my favorite things to be high up on a mountain, fly yes. fly super high up to a mountain, jump off, glide down to a little overwatch spot, and see tall necks in the distance. I yes. love it. I love it. So that is certainly exceptional. And the haptics, too. I mean, that's the PS5, of course, but it, right. it's, it's something. It's like once you do it, it's like, oh, I can't, I can't do, go without it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's great. Now, Josh, a couple of overview questions that aren't really mentioned in my my thing here. Um, do you think, speaking of side quests, do you think this game needs radiant questing? Just infinite, repeatable questing? Or do you think it would get too tedious? I don't care for that sort of stuff, personally. Gotcha. So, gotcha. I, I would say no. Yeah. The, I think... We talked about this in the first game. It was probably a complaint of mine that I, I said that it wanted Radiant Questing. But the more I think about it, I think the more the hunting grounds and just hunting machines in general satisfies that. Uh, especially yeah. because in the second game, it takes so long to upgrade your weapons. The legendary weapons have five upgrade levels, and it is not easy to upgrade them. I mean, in fact, all of my legendary weapons never got past level one. It's so hard to upgrade them. So, um, yeah, Radiant Questing is probably not necessary um, um, the, the difficulty of this game I've seen everywhere. I wonder if you agree. I played this game on, I played Forbidden West on normal and it was just as hard, if not harder than playing Zero Dawn on hard. Tell me about your experiences. Hmm. I played it on hard. Um, I, I found it manageable. I don't think it was pushing back too much. Um, so you're I saying I suck. remember playing What's what's that? <laughs> you're saying I'm the casual who sucks. That's what you're saying. No, I don't think so. I mean, you played the first game on hard, did you not? I did. I think yeah. that uh, it's just a matter of I don't know. Um, it, it. I mean, the combat itself, like as long as you're dodging enough and keeping your distance, you're gonna be okay on whatever level it is. So. I did find because of the machine variety that you had to be a lot more careful and you had to be wise about how you approach different things, especially if there's groups. So that was a ton of fun on the hard difficulty. But I don't know if I could say one was harder than the other. I honestly don't remember Zero Dawn being particularly difficult, but I played that on normal, so I can't, like, looking back on it, I'm like, I don't I don't know. With this one, I wanted to challenge myself because I knew I was I could do it. So... Because of that, I, I definitely had that challenge there, but I, it wasn't overwhelming until that last mission, which I think I mentioned before. So. Yeah, that you had to drop the difficulty, yeah. Um, yeah. And so did I. I. I also had to drop the difficulty. I I would say that... It's just annoying because had... she, like, the final boss, she, like... She has a couple of moves that are just, like, if if you get hit, you're dead. Like, the, at least if you don't have, like, a ton of health, so... I, I was like, whatever. I dropped it. I think I just dropped it down to easy because at that point I was like, I just want to see what <laughs> what happens after this. Right, right. So, and then it was like a cakewalk. So, yeah, um, yeah. I had to drop it down as well to make it manageable. The final bosses between the two, though, Forbidden West definitely had the better final. Boss. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that that's definitely for sure. Uh, the the final boss. I did miss the all my friends trophy from the first game. Just like having everyone that sure. I side quested with. That was a really cool moment that brought the conclusion of Zero Dawn to a really nice end. And then you kind of relive that a little bit at the start of this game because of the the remembering the past kind of a thing, the way it starts. Um, but 
the final boss was definitely epic for this game. And dude, the cutscene with the slaughter spine and the thunder jaw tearing through specters, like the big yes. machine battle was epic, yes. dude. So um, awesome. Yes. Drop that in the graphics category for why the second game is better. Um, for sure. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. A couple of um side notes. I just felt like um a couple of things they still haven't gotten right. I've mentioned them before, but the 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 reaction dialogue is still not where it needs to be, I guess. The fact that you can respond with intellect, compassion, or anger, it still is not where it needs to be. It doesn't... Very shallow. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't... Why yeah. have it in there? Um, yeah. I mean, if you think that Aloy could respond any of three ways... I suppose that's a good enough reason to put it in there, but it just also, I, I would like to have it have an impact or a result and not just play to whatever mood I'm feeling at the time. Because it feels unnatural to choose anger with Beta in the situation when she and Aloy are yelling at each other. That doesn't make sense. I don't, I, it, it, didn't, it wouldn't feel right to be angry. She's not my enemy. So of course I'm going to choose compassion or intellect. So I don't know. It just feels like it doesn't matter too much. But um, the crafting is still a tedious chore sometimes i should be able sure. to modify and craft at the same time um upgrade my weapons all at the same place and i think simplicity in in my upgrades would be better instead of instead of a variety of different weapons simplify it a little bit and allow me to upgrade the ones that i have um I enjoyed the fact that in Zero Dawn, when I finally had the four weapons that I used all the time, that that was my happy place. And I didn't have to go into my inventory to find, to you know pause the combat, go into my inventory, switch out a weapon, and then come back to combat. Because I had everything that I needed in, in, um, in Zero Dawn. In this game, they add purge water and acid, which even that... Oh, yeah. Those mm-hmm. two elemental combinations make it so that I, even though I have six slots, I'm still not carrying everything that I need to. Right. Um, the sh- the sling shredder was tedious to use. Um, the the weapon where you sling the disc. I mean, it was kind of fun to play yeah. catch with yourself a little bit, but it was oftentimes I was dodging into rocks and then missing the catch, and it was annoying more than fun to use. Um, but yeah, combat needs to be worked on. But okay, I think I have talked. Quite enough. Let me summarize with this. We'll make a decision here. You were, I can, I quoted you in the first episode of Forbidden West saying, you can almost quote me on this. I don't know. Maybe I'll regret saying this. There is no other open world game that feels and plays this good. Josh Gallegos about talking about (laughs) Zero Dawn. Does that hold true for this game? And then should it be put in the Hall of Games? Um, it's, it's the product of diminishing returns here because I think it does, as far as how it plays and feels, it does equal its previous game. Um, Zero Dawn was the pioneer though there. So, I mean, when I say it that way, I guess you could now extend it to the Horizon franchises. Like the the feel of it, the the actual combat itself is is such. There's such a great flow to it. Um, I I can't deny it. You know, I don't think that that is gonna 
hold forever. I think Elden Ring definitely changes that a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't think that this one's doing anything on a whole nother level from Zero Dawn, but it's definitely doing what Zero Dawn did, and it, it's keeping it up as far as the feel of it goes. Um, and then same with the plot as well. I think the plot, uh, they added to it in a great way. So in my opinion, if you're asking if this goes in the Hall of Games, I would say yes. I would say it does. I think it it um, and Zero Dawn can both go in there because this one is a great continuation of that original idea, and I am excited and looking forward to a third. Yes, I, and and to be honest with you, I I'll make a closing remark, but I am in agreement. I think it should go into the Hall of Games for a couple of reasons. One, everything that was great about the first game, other than its simplicity, because I think there's an expectation that like, sure. well, we can't just do the same thing. You could, right. and maybe fans still would have enjoyed it. But there were definitely comments about the machines needed to be better, the combat needed to be better, and Guerrilla Games absolutely made a valiant effort. I think they fell short yes. in a couple categories, melee combat specifically. I just didn't enjoy it. And machine AI, this is actually something that I think they still need to work on, so side note here. It doesn't make sense to me how aggro is like not a thing to Western developers. If someone attacks Moog, the Lord of Blood in Elden Ring, he goes after that person if my mimic attacks him. In this game... Even if the machines discover me and I haven't done any damage to them, all of a sudden they come right to my position. And that was, I just hated that all the time. I was like, does the concept of aggro not exist to you machines? But um, <laughs> that, and I don't understand why there's no arrow for sending a lure to a spot. Like, why can't I shoot an arrow and it distracts all the machines to that one spot for just a quick second so that I can pivot behind them and shoot off the component that I need? Because having components on the butts of machines that I can't reach because they keep turning to face me was mega annoying. Um, but anyway, that's besides the point. The um, That's a side, a side note there. But I, I would say that the ability to write another, essentially original story that deviates and is, feels fresh and new from the original game, keeps all of the best things about the original game, really comes super close to either not falling below or even surpassing in many different ways, you know, uh, tall necks, cauldrons, uh, hunting grounds, all that different stuff. Either it, nothing is a downgrade. It's just a matter of whether you prefer complexity or simplicity in the two games. Um, yeah. Overall, I'd choose the first game, but I still think that this game deserves to be in the hall of games. The uh, uh, upgrade in flying and traversal, the climbing is improved. Uh, Machine hunting is still just as fun. The story is enlarged, and that impeccable, probably the best media pivot to a sequel that I've ever seen or witnessed in my life has to be noted and appreciated. And for that reason, yeah. I'm in agreement with you, Josh. I think it should go on the Hall of Games. And that is that is not something that we like doing. We, we do not like to yeah. just give sequels a pass. We did not put Dark Souls 3 into the Hall of Games just because its predecessor was good. And um, I, I don't think that should ever be a good enough reason that the first game was good that you should put the second game in. So um, an exceptional game, folks. Absolutely a PlayStation flagship title, and it should be in your repertoire. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, that works for us. This is the pinnacle of a Western open world RPG yes. as we've known them. Yes. So I think there's no denying that. Absolutely. Woo, I'm tuckered out, man. 
<laughs> that was a great conversation. I feel like we covered all the yes. bases. Do you? I think we did, yes. Yes, sir. Folks, don't forget to rate us and review us. We really appreciate you listening. Five stars only on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you don't give us five, you have something better to do with your life. And, uh, yeah, this is the uh, Hall of Games. The Bard and your host for today, Jared, signing off. <laughs>